Hello and welcome to the Min Max Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Surreal Vasquez. That's me. Jeff Marquiafava. I don't. <laughs> and Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Welcome, everybody. We have a big show for you today. We're going to be talking about Little Nightmares 2. Kyle and some other folks have been playing that. Uh, we're going to get some wonderful community questions in the back half of the show. We're going to be joined by a dear friend of the show. But there's a lot to get to before that. Because I don't know if you recall, but last year, kind of, sort of, the four of us gathered. Uh, the OG crew, as some would put it. Uh, that's how they called us in the backstage pass. I don't know about that terminology. But uh, last year, we all gathered together to share our biggest predictions for the video game industry in the year 2020. Now, Serial, you weren't there, but you s- submitted your predictions and we read them and mocked you on air. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> this episode of the podcast, we're going to be doing the same thing where we're going to be Laying down. <laughs> That's right. We're going to be laying so down. mutes his mic, and we just mock him, and then yeah. he comes back. Or m- mutes right. his headphones, I guess. Yeah, you get podcasting, man. Uh, we're going to be talking about our predictions for the video game industry in 2021. And as always, these are completely flawless. And just to prove that they're completely flawless, I figure we should probably go into the Wayback Machine and check out our predictions from last year. What do you guys think? Go for it. I'm going to go grab paper <laughs> towel real quick. Okay, but Kyle's spilling everywhere. Um, so I have a couple clips that we could play. We all had a lot of predictions that were all over the place. Maybe before we get to the first clip, um, Jeff, um, here's one of your predictions for 2020. You said, absolutely, for sure this is happening. Dreams on PC. I said that. You said that, and it seemed like you bet um, your unborn child um, that this was going to happen. So, it's, And I said it was going to happen in 2020? Uh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. These were predictions for 2020. So that one didn't quite happen, Jeff, but there's no harm done. Um, you also predicted... Wait, wait, real quick, another setup. When did this? When did our predictions air? Like, we were in pandemic mode at that point, right? In 2020? before. No, yeah, this was January. Is, yeah, I, think, okay. I so, think that made the art of predictions, I think, even more... Though, to be uh, fair, none of us yeah. predicted a pandemic either, so that's yes, on us That's true. Well. I went back and listened to it. about that, yeah. yeah. I was hoping for it, but okay, let's get to the first clip here. This is us in a different era. All of us look very healthy. Here's the discussion. Uh, I have Surreal's as well. His yeah. safest prediction is Breath of the Wild 2 is out this year. I had that on my list. I, Do you really think? I think my no the way, way that the way that I wrote it down is sooner than expected, which means maybe Say like no, maybe like October ish, like no. late October, early November. Okay, there's no way though. Think about how intense that game is versus. Look, I'm very confident. Surreal and I are a hundred percent. This <laughs> yeah. Breath of the Wild two will will we will be playing it this year. I think it's going to be spring, 2021. Yeah, they're going to release it in what March again. I think they'll yeah, that, pro- yeah, probably yeah, okay. try to mirror that. I think it's going to be Super Mario Odyssey 2 this fall. That, I think, is absolutely bonkers. Ah, man. No, I don't know. Okay, I what disagree. about this? What about this? I mean, I'm, we're going to all look like idiots, or one of us will look... I won't. <laughs> what about this? Here's a correct this prediction. back to me when they announce Odyssey 2. Hey, look, we all made mistakes. We got some right, and we got some very wrong. I like how bullish uh, two of you were about Breath of the Wild 2 releasing in 2020. Oh, so I, I'm still like, I still think your Odyssey 2 prediction is bonkers. Like, but I do, I wonder, I don't know. It feels like I'm trying to defend myself being wrong. But like, <laughs> I wonder if the pandemic 
did push back Zelda more yeah. than we. I mean, every game got pushed back, but I wonder if you know. I don't no, know. I don't want to use the pandemic as like a carte blanche to say like, well, not yes. like the, this is like basically th- throwing out all of these, but that is the big one of like what would Nintendo's plans have been had that not happened. I think there is a there's a decent enough chance that that game would have come out, but I guess we'll see if if it comes out like. If it does come out when Hanson said, which is like March of this year, which yeah. they should announce it by now if they're going to release it then. But well, um, late Nintendo lately, man, I don't know. Like I could see them dropping it a month or a week before, you know, like why yeah. not? Did you, you guys get, get those codes out. I sent in your email for it? Oh, no, I haven't checked I haven't that redeemed yet. It yet. Is that's that exciting. Breath of the Wild too? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's on the new Switch Pro, which you can also redeem a code for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, other quick bits. Here we go. Jeff, I'm being um, stubborn as ever. Yeah, so the mode will be called Battle Royale. Halo Royal Infinite Royale. will have a Battle Royale. You heard it here. It's yeah. happening. Now, technically, we don't know that that's not true. Yeah. So it's happening. It hasn't been disproven. Okay. All right. Uh, here's some more. Uh, so we're kind of in the medium bet. We're in dangerous zone. territory. Uh, Metroid Prime Trilogy Switch still not out <laughs> by the end of the year. By the end of the year, I think that's such a bold move. I man. think it'll be closer to Prime. I think it'll be like six months ahead of Prime Four. Okay. Kyle, solid, solid prediction. I thought you were so nuts. I, I get points or something? Uh, or yeah, I, get... I think we should put points on him this year to see who's actually winning this sucker. Okay, okay here's one more. EA, oh. EA will finally announce and release Mass Effect Trilogy Remastered. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, they got to do it. One. And the reason I came safe. to that conclusion is because I I was trying to come up with with predictions, and so I googled EA twenty twenty, and they don't have any effing <laughs> games coming out this year. It, that one was correct on every front. Uh, not obviously uh, released in twenty twenty, but EA yeah. had no games in twenty twenty, and it turns out they, they just didn't, decided not to release any games in twenty twenty. <laughs> they crossed uh, their arm and said, "Yep, yeah." They That's said exactly our plan. We're all in was, on Rocket Arena. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. Okay, another one. Oh, I'm back to uh, bold predictions. Oh, we're back. Stadia, end of 2020. A relative success. Oh, oh, a relative success. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say Stadia 2020 canceled. Canceled? <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, once like they, they just get pull out. Of... Out. <laughs> uh, Jeff, I'm you taking were, credit so for that one, too. Jeff, it, it wasn't in 2020, though. Like he, we add three months to all of Jeff, Jeff's yeah, predictions. See, because, see, the right. pandemic works for mine because they're all yeah. so mm. close to making okay. it. Right. It's the Jeffum clause. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, although I would argue, you know, end of 2020, Stadia was the best it probably will ever be with the release of Cyberpunk. That is probably peak Stadia in the world. That is stretching relative pretty far. All right. All right. Uh, I'm sure if you ask Google, they'd be like, it's a relative success. It's success ish. Okay. Here's another one. Last of Us 2. Yeah. They're going to give all those awesome exclusives away for free. That's why it's so crazy. Love it. I love it. Uh, I don't okay. think that's insane, honestly. Sony instituting some kind of Game Pass like competitor. Well, they have if, like the stream you, thing now. Yeah, but. but if you wrapped it in with the PS5, that's another reason yeah. to go out yeah. and get the new hardware. There it is, folks. You heard it here first. It's uh, going to happen. Honestly, Jeff, listen, not bad. Not that far off, right? With the PlayStation because they Plus give away all of those exclusives with the PS5. Not new games, which I think is what you're leaning towards, right. but at least right. that is an attempt to kind of near what Game Pass was going for. So Jeffum's looking pretty strong, but Jeffum, I hope you're sitting down. Please, Uh-oh. batten down the hatches, because get ready for this. All right, dangerous prediction. You got one? Bethesda gets purchased. 
The sale of Bethesda. I could see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is happening this year. (laughs) Oh, that's that's right. That's right. Yes. Sony's Uh, Deathloop. Isn't that weird? So you called it being purchased, but you said Sony was going to get it. But it is still still Sony's Deathloop. It is Sony's Deathloop. And Bethesda was purchased. I'd say that's that's, solid. Solid. In a funky way. You got points for that, for sure. Thank you. Extra points, I would say, because that was a bold prediction, and it came true. Yes. Uh, Okay, everybody else's predictions real quick for 2020. Um, And you guys can make, you know, the appropriate sounds for how right or wrong it was. Uh, Kyle said, Final Fantasy VII Remake will surpass sales expectations. Which was a coward's bet. Uh, Kyle says, new Switch model released. Kyle says, no Pokemon Sword and Shield follow-up in 2020, which they had the DLC, so it's kind of confusing, but maybe. Uh, Yeah, I feel like I I was close on that one just because there's no physical, like, you know... Uh, sword and shield and ultra sword and shield, right? Guard, right, yeah, whatever. Sword, that is true. Yeah. Shield, yep. Uh, let's see. Kyle says Rocksteady will be their game will be next gen exclusive. Uh, Kyle says God of War 2 will be teased at E3 with a clip of Atreus coming out of the shadows. Kyle says the PlayStation 5 will have some sort of portable component. And Kyle's boldest prediction, the Wii Vitality Sensor will make some sort of return in the year 2020. <laughs> and we all know how that went. Hey, we fit. Or not, we fit. Um, the <laughs> ring training. Thing. That's a thing, right? Yeah, ring but that fit. was 2019. That, yeah, that was a oh, okay. Anyways, uh, Serial says the Xbox will be out in October, PlayStation 5 in November. Xbox was first, but just by like a week. Yeah. But uh, Serial says more uni- uh, unionized game devs, specifically for smaller studios, which not really. Yeah, th- there yeah, was disappointingly. the. There was the. What was it called? The, the people who kind of formed the. A new studio based on the Skullgirls developer, Lab mm. Zero. I, I yeah. forget what their name is, but I think they're like uh, employee owned. So that's close. Okay. But. All right. Uh, also, if you want to count it, uh, Michael Condry, former Call of Duty studio head, formed that new studio at 2K, and the name of the studio is 31st Union. But they aren't unionized. So you know what? I don't know what you <laughs> want to do with that one, dude. Uh, and Serial's in most absurd prediction was he said that in the year 2020 city project red will release a new small that, that scale witcher my, game that was not my prediction what my prediction was that there would be a a, a witcher game uh a witcher spinoff ba- game based on the series i never said cd project oh uh, okay all right i'm glad you remember that uh my prediction did not come true but <laughs> i wanted to make sure why i'm <laughs> wrong you sure yeah. there wasn't like a mobile tie-in to the netflix thing so I, that i think that was exactly what i was thinking when i mm. thought about it because at the time the show was so popular and now it doesn't feel like anyone's really talking about that show much i feel like it's going to get a second season maybe a third and then it'll quickly die. the netflix <laughs> three and done well, yeah, I mean that's the Netflix versus you know you compare Wandavision to Stranger Things. It's like Netflix shows burn hot and fast, mm-hmm. where Disney Plus shows are sort of spread out. So there's it feels like I mean there is it doesn't feel like there is more conversation around them, you know. But yeah, and there's there's a te- there's a very there's like a logo teaser for the animated Witcher film on if you look on your Netflix account. But yeah, that's yeah. it, you know. Uh, my predictions from last year: Final Fantasy VII remake will cause outrage. I think I was wrong. I know people are divided yeah. about the end, but to call it outrage, it's not no, what yeah. I was expecting. They actually pulled it off. I don't think um, there was yeah. a big like controversy around it that like every, it did not become a part of the discourse for like some hot button issue. Yes, like, it, there it, was it, there it, was that one door with the bad texture on it that was that outrageous. Was, yeah, <laughs> I'm still losing sleep about that freaking door. Uh, I guessed uh, this was oh my gosh, clairvoyant. I guessed Avengers will be a mess. 
Um, and then <laughs> Kyle and I debated whether or not the Ultimate Alliance defenders would be there for Marvel's Avengers. I said they would. Kyle said they wouldn't. And I think they were there. See, I thought I think they weren't. I feel like, but I mean, this is it's all like perception. So we we all, you know, you can kind of find your own correct answer depending on where you look. But yeah. I feel like. I mean, I feel like everyone was pretty down on Avengers in general. I, I beg to differ, though. Like, Greg Miller um, put hundreds of hours in that thing, frickin' platinumed it, was championing it in a big way. Brandon Jones from Easy Allies was also championing that game for a long time, put in hundreds of hours. Like, there were that same, there was the same degree, I think, of Ultimate Alliance Defense Force out there. For I, also don't, I don't know that, like, Ultimate Alliance is, like, the, the factor here. I think it's more like Marvel fans who are also video gamers. I think that is the larger Venn diagram. I don't think it was people who were like, well, I like Ultimate Alliance, right. so this is in that vein. It's more like, I also liked Marvel Spider-Man or something, like, some other Marvel gaming and gaming-related thing. Right, could be. Um, look up one, let's look up, can we look up the Metacritics real quick? Let's see. For Avengers? Oh, we're thinking the community would be higher? Oh, 73 for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah. Which is that's one the platform so that simplifies things. 67 for Marvel Avengers. So it is lower. I'm not talking about reviewers. I'm talking there's still those defenders in the same way. It's it's more the community. The two Look, people you mentioned on. be considered <laughs> No, they didn't review They're it. Professional gaming. No, 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 no. No, I'm talking about something else. Anyways, moving on, uh, I guess Dying Light 2 would be a big deal. Um <laughs> It kind of was for the Chris Avalone stuff, but not in the way I think they were hoping for <laughs> last year. Uh, I guess that Horizon colon New World would be at the launch of the PlayStation 5 and would be very Breath of the Wild inspired. Not quite. Um, Final Fantasy 16 revealed at E3. Kind of close. It was revealed. That's that's solid. Yeah, the, the, the E3 part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, you wrong about. <laughs> I guess uh, also I was going off of, and I, I talked about it, the fact that like, hey, I saw some game in progress when I was visiting Square in early 2016 or whatever, and it turns out that was not Final Fantasy 16. What I saw was the early version of Project Athia. Is that the name of that one, I think? That's coming yeah, early or, 2020. I don't know how it's pronounced, but yeah, A-T-H-I-A, which looks great. One of my most, like, I'm excited for whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the next-gen Harry Potter game was going to be at launch. I guess a new Hello Games console exclusive at launch of the new consoles. A new Ubisoft uh, San Francisco RPG that the Bungie Netties IP would be teased. Um, and a bunch of other uh, nonsense here. Jeffum, you guessed that there would be a Nintendo Game Boy Classic. Uh, that Rockstar would tease a new IP. The Mass Effect remaster, hey, that of Nintendo course. Game Boy Classic. We did get the Game and Watch thing. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah, that's crap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, you're talking percentage you, of a percentage. I know, but I'm not taking it. Um, <laughs> it was just wrong. Uh, Nintendo was wrong, though, not me, because that's oh, a yeah, brilliant absolutely. idea. I'm with you. Uh, you guessed that Microsoft would buy Hello Games, and that Sony would announce yeah its own Game Pass for PS5. Um, we also predicted that Sony would be out of the gate stronger for the next gen console, and that Xbox would be catching up in the future, which. I guess it's kind of true. I guess PS5 is kind of out to a stronger start. So it's exclusive. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. Huh? I know. I don't really have a sense for it because they're both selling out like for every console they could possibly make. So it's a tough one to gauge right now. Okay. New predictions, y'all. We each have roughly three, maybe some bonus ones thrown in there. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Kyle, would you like to do us the honors of making your, I don't know, safest prediction for 2020 that we, or 2021 mm. that we can kind of work into the scary stuff? Yeah, I'm trying to, so I kind of, uh, I kind of went over, like I didn't do too many safe ones just because I thought it would be more fun. Love it, man. Um, but I'll start with this one. Breath of the Wild 2 is not out this year, but there will be something (laughs) Zelda related 
that appears for the anniversary this year. And I think it'll be Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD on Switch. Yep. And they will be two separate releases, but Nintendo will reward people who buy both. Um, that is a layered prediction, man. Because like when you bought Super Smash Brothers 3DS and Super Smash Brothers Wii U, that you got a, like a copy of the soundtrack. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think there's like some, I think they'll come out like on the same day and you'll get, there's some, re- there's some incentive for getting both. Even though it's, it'll be expensive, it'll be like a hundred bucks to get both. People will be pissed about having to buy those two things separately, and then they'll but they'll still buy them, and I'll just angrily be checking out at Target. So basically, you think it's going to be like that same window as this year or last year for Super Mario's thirty fifth anniversary, where like they're culminating yeah. that with the release of Bowser's Fury uh, and three D World, like in the new year. You think that's going to be that approach? So it'll be twenty twenty two, the end of the Zelda so. celebration will be Breath of the Wild too. Yeah. That's that's my prediction for okay. that, which I feel like is my safer one. Yeah, couple I, of weirdos. I feel like no matter what, Wind Waker on Switch this year, I would I would bet one thousand dollars overdue on that happening. at this point. Oh my god, it's gonna sell like gangbusters. Um, Jeffum, you got one part of the prediction? Uh, yes. Right. Uh, I need to preface this by saying that you wouldn't let me go back and check the old prediction <laughs> episode because the I, same crap? I really could not remember anything. So my first one was also on the previous one and that's that PlayStation Plus is going to become PlayStation Pass. It's got to happen. Spiritually they're or literally they're going to call it PlayStation Pass. If they were smart, they would mm. they would just flip those two letters into two different letters and you got it. So what does that practically so that's, mean? That's first party Sony games available if you're a subscriber like day 1, right? Yeah, I think they're going to fold PlayStation Now into a PlayStation Pass that's going to take the place of your PlayStation Plus fee. And it's just going to be you subscribe to this. That's online gaming. We're going to let you stream some of these games because mm-hmm. that's still a functionality. But otherwise, you're buying into the PlayStation ecosystem with this. Love it. Surreal? Hit us, dude. Uh, on a similar note, I think uh, Microsoft is going to consolidate like for like they already kind of have done this, but they're going to further consolidate Game Pass and Ultimate or uh, and Xbox Live. Yeah. Uh, into one basically like service that you have to have both. I think Ultimate will end up being the default and a, it'll probably get a price increase. I like not so- not like the kind it got earlier this year where people were freaking out about one hundred twenty dollars a year. But I could totally see them saying like, you know, we've, we've added some random perk. It's 20 bucks a month now. Love and then it. It, it is that is the one tier that you get and it just does it like the it appeals to like the whole microsoft like everything simplified just pick this one thing and buy it and it'll be that like game pass ultimate or whatever yeah hmm. um this is my safest one uh god of war ragnarok i guess it'll be called in theory uh will be cross-gen uh people will be annoyed by that it's going to be shorter than people expect and have more rehashed environments than people want and expect. I think it's going to be a smaller, more cross-gen experience instead of the next big God of War entry. You, like uh, rehash from the first Morales. game or rehash from like you'll be revisiting environments in that game over and over. I think it's going to, I mean, I think the core world is going to be the same of you just going to the different realms by going to the center of the lake. And then mm-hmm. the new areas will be the new realms. But it's, it'll still be like, ah, it's nowhere in the main area, area Fimble Winter, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of talk about like, I was expecting a little bit more from the next big God of War, but not to call it budget, but just smaller and a little bit disappointing on that front. 
Kyle. Jeff um said it, but like you're, you're a Miles Morales approach. I, right? it, I think one notch above that is a good way to put it. One okay. notch above Miles Morales. Yeah. Kyle, you got more? Um, I got so I have four altogether. Um, and here my other safe one, I think, is that around you know when the next gen cyber did next gen cyberpunk is still this year, right? Yep. Yeah. There's going to be like a, a sort of circling around on that game, and people are going to come around on it and be big fans. Kyle, that like, is exactly. There will be a lot of articles like revisiting the game <laughs> and being like, it didn't get its due. You know what I mean? Like this, this is better than we gave it credit for. I am totally with you. That is exactly the next prediction that I had as well, is that the press will finally talk about the content of Cyberpunk whenever it launches, which is probably going to be fall, you know, this year on the new new systems. Also, my bold prediction with Cyberpunk, when it comes out on next gen, it will have a new name so they can make like a new review skew. So it'll be like Cyberpunk Hmm. rebooted or that's a terrible name, but Cyber 78. Yeah, smart. They will just have some twist, like a colon name just to differentiate like this is a new clean starting point let's start a new and fresh with cyberpunk silver hand edition yes exactly <laughs> yeah honestly yeah and your your save just comes forward for that right this is like a quick aside but like i think so right? okay yeah um i want to start over yeah i i think hopefully things will have died down with cd project by then and you they'll, know, they'll this, deal with the hackers and the ransom notes yeah, yeah exactly they'll have put out all fires and then the press will realize ah People will click on articles that actually talk about the video game here. Um, Jeff, um? Uh, I was completely. You were you were right about the Bethesda thing last year, and I was wrong about the Hello Games thing. But I'm going to go bold again, and I'm going to say Microsoft is going to purchase EA. I love that, and I'm and I'm feeling that. it because because they have roped in that EA Play into their whole ultimate you know Game Pass ultimate ecosystem. Mm-hmm. They got like one foot in there already. We're bringing you all these EA games already. Why don't you just, you know, get the whole thing under that wing? I love that. Join us. I think that's super doable. I think they're going to become the Borg and just keep on (laughs) getting in as many people so that they don't have, because that way too, also they don't have other competing Game Pass services out there. If they can consolidate all of those under their own, then everyone's going to be subscribing to that. And consumers don't have to say, well, do I pay, you know, $20 a month for ultimate or do I go with EA or Ubisoft Mm -hmm. or whatever? So they're just going to keep consuming everything. I'm personally holding out. I'm going to hold my subscription money for the Embracer group pass. I'm really looking forward (laughs) to that. I think it's gonna be pretty sweet. One of these days. Pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the Nathan account. Uh, Jeff, um, Will sports games still be cross-platform? Will we still get Madden on PS5 and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they don't care about that. They don't care. Yeah. I mean, I could even see them saying, like, didn't they lose, like, their exclusivity uh, contract for, like, some fran- for some sport? Wasn't there, like, a thing where... Well, there's Sony like, with baseball. MLB is also uh, on Xbox. So, yeah. Okay, but, hey, it's in the air. People are talking about it. People are buzzing. Uh, so, really, you got one? Yeah, I, I also had a, a Zelda one, but it's slightly different uh, than Kyle's. I think we'll see a the next game from the Link's Awakening remake team this year. Mm. Uh, I think they're going to probably have those two. If Breath of the Wild doesn't, doesn't come out this year, I think that'll be the reason why. It's like for 35th anniversary, it's like here's like another remake, maybe the Seasons games, which would be nice. Uh, but like here's another game from that, that Link's Awakening team because I think mm. they're probably at a point where they can make these at a faster clip than the breath of the wild team. I feel, yeah, 
I wondered, people love the Switch so much. Could they just release Triforce Heroes on Switch at this point, like with that new art style? And people would be like, this game rules now. Yeah, the redemption arc for Triforce Heroes. I can see it, man. I mean, honestly, if they had, like, yeah, because you have Switch Online, like, that's like a, a service that people actually use versus whatever the 3DS had. So I could totally see them doing that and just saying, like, ah, oh, we also made this thing if you want to. Play Zelda Online? Yeah, if you want to. They could just call it Zelda Online and then like not and hide the fact that it's actually Triforce uh, Heroes. <laughs> it just boots up the 3DS game on the screen. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mine is The Last of Us Part 2 will release for PlayStation 5 with the multiplayer component included and they will charge $70 for it and the internet will lose its freaking mind. How all of your predictions are compounding. Like you're like taking triple <laughs> parlays on all of your predictions. Yeah, it's going to be so sweet when I can hit this three point jump uh, yeah. with nailing the prediction exactly. Yeah, and meanwhile you have like I don't know uh, Reggie in a glass case while you're watching E3 unfold, and you're like, huh? I'm doing it. <laughs> Aren't just you proud of me? The nice thing, Hanson, is like you can just pull your own evidence, whatever you feel like is proves your point that's for right those, those <laughs> ideas of like people will be mad and then you just call it, like i don't know like someone from like kind of funny and like easy allies like, miller was mad examples video gamer guy it, so. was really mad hang on. about what no not important i guess hang on yeah l- let me get this clip ready for next year so it just goes a little something like this um uh people on the internet will freak out and the company could have handled it better so I'm going to use that <laughs> however it works. It's going to be sweet. You just want to list a, a bunch of company names so we can just quickly edit it together. Embracer group. Uh, Embracer group. Um, Tencent. Uh, let's see. You want to rapid fire? You got them all. You got <laughs> every two video Those are the two video game companies by the end of this year. <laughs> Choose your allegiance. Uh, rapid fire through some. Yes, well, yes. We, we haven't done our three, I guess. Oh, right? I guess you're right. Yeah, I got off count because I, I jumped on uh, the bandwagon. But yeah, you're right, Kyle. Okay, go for it. What do you got? Okay. We got Machine Games working on Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. We got IO working on James Bond. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a big budget surprise. We're all going to nod our heads, go, oh, yeah, that is a good fit for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, they have that new uh, Seth... Rogan's making Seth the, new show the producer, or writer something. on an upcoming movie. I think I think it'll come out around the same time as that movie, but it won't be related. It won't be like a tie-in for the movie. It'll just be a Ninja Turtles movie that releases a Ninja Turtles game that releases around the same time as that movie. Yeah, that's good. Who do you think? And then I had a um, couple ideas: oh. Monolith Productions, mm-hmm. Volition, and then a weird one I had was United Front Games, the Sleeping Dogs developer. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I assume so, they're quite like, gone. What are you talking about? Turtles game, sure. Oh, for if the developer. It, Interesting. Yeah, if it's really far out, I would love it for, for it to be Fat Shark, actually. The people who make the Vermintide games. I think they've, oh, they have yeah. a really good track record with, like, really strong co-op stuff. So, that like, just, you know, shoehorning in the Turtles. I, I wouldn't want it to be first person because I'd be weird. But no, I need to be I, first person. Um, yeah, so I think that could work. I'll just assume it's Ubisoft. Okay. I, Ubisoft was on my list too, actually. Mm. Who, yeah. Who who made the last Ninja Turtle? Like the the plat the one that Platinum made that was really bad. Who published that? Activision. Activision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I reviewed that one. And it was bad. It played well, like oh. a Platinum game, but yeah, not much else going for it. Yeah. Uh, visuals. Jeff, did you have more? And Cyril, did you have more predictions? Nintendo. I have two more. 
Oh, yeah. Is going to come out with the Switch 2 4K gaming happening in 2021. Mm -hmm. They recently stated, please don't expect new hardware in 2021, but that's the old song. That was a ruse, my friend. Ah. First, it's the Game Boy Classic that they're Mm -hmm. going to come out with. And then it's going to be Switch. No, they'll announce it in 2021. Okay. But I like that. come out until the next year. I've got a Nintendo prediction for you. This is, this is the Hail Mary. I'm throwing it down the field. People say I'm nuts. Forget the Game Boy Classic. Forget N64 You're- Classic. No, I'm not nuts. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the Wii Classic they released this year. You say it's insane. They're jumping different, you know, eras. It's insane, Hanson. No, but nay. Just think about it from their perspective. What is the next thing they could release that would make the most money? I think people would gobble the hell out of a Wii Classic. And it would just completely eat the Intellivision Amico's lunch. So it's a it's a small version of the Wii, but it's still Wiimotes in motion? Yeah. Tracking. Yeah. The Wiimotes are like just the size of like a little eraser. No, the controllers are the same size, but yeah, I just think people want They're actually sports. erasers that you can put on your on the tip of your pencil and wave it around like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I still think, man. I I don't know. I I think we see sixty four before we see Wii, pretty handily. I think you can they still can go to a store and buy a Wii. There's still brand new Wii games on the shelves. I mean, it's just just dance, but they're still coming out. <laughs> There's still the just dance shelf, the shrine yeah. to just dance <laughs> in every Target. I mean, I feel like the the Wii is at the point where the controllers become harder to reproduce. So I think like the the controllers for everything basically ahead of that, I think is harder to make. And that might be the reason why they don't make a 64 or a GameCube one. It's just like, we don't even want to bother with Rumble. Like, unless Mm. like the 64 one doesn't have any Rumble compatible games. Um, I think that's maybe why they don't do it is because like, making new controllers are probably more expensive than Nintendo would want, which like they're borderline on committing to those kinds of things anyway. So, which yeah. is why the Game Boy Classic makes so much sense. It's it such does. simple hardware. It, 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 yeah, it, I think that makes more sense, but I don't think they're doing anything. I think they're done. I think that like that was a fancy uh, that they had for a couple of years, but they're like, ah, eh, never mind. Everyone wanted, everyone wanted this too much. We're not, we're done with it. No, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> that sounds like Nintendo. So really got more for us. Yeah, I've got a slightly spicy one. I Ooh. think within the next month, there will be a fairly large Nintendo Direct telling us what the heck is happening with that company uh, after March 31st, the, the day of the Nintendo apocalypse. The day that Mario's <laughs> anniversary closes down yeah. shop. Yeah, which um, within the next month, we're getting you know Mario and we're getting Bravely Default. And I think those are the last two big ones with dates still. Uh, for Nintendo. So after that, they they have to do something. So I imagine they're either going to leave us in the lurch for a couple months or they're going to announce something before Bravely Default is out. And it has been mm-hmm. a, such a long time since the last official Nintendo Direct. We've all gotten used to like, oh, Nintendo announcements, but it's always like Nintendo Partner Showcase Mini or Nintendo Mini Direct or Nindy World. It's just like, just give us a big meaty Direct, y'all. Yeah, and yeah. I think with like with E3 basically like done at this point, even though they've announced they're making a new event, I can't imagine it'll be anything that big. But mm-hmm. uh, I can see Nintendo just saying like, "Yeah, we're just sticking to our own plans." Like they may have been in a holding pattern, and now they're just seeing that like, "Oh, th- this is something that is going to be long term, and we can kind of try to figure out a new angle for like our marketing stuff." I think this is like their first big blowout of like, "Here's here's what's going on with us." Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty safe bet, but I like it. 
Um, let's see. These are a little more my oddballs. Kyle, I assume you have some oddballs as well. well. Do you want me to throw out my Nintendo, my quick Nintendo one yeah. first? Okay, so um, this is a quick quick Nintendo one. We will see a teaser this year for the animated Super Mario Brothers movie from Illumination. Oh, the, of course. And the big, like, the big internet sort of embracing twist is that Charles Martinet will not be the voice of Mario. Yeah. It's going to be Chris Pratt. Uh, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Danny DeVito. Yes, that'll take. So, yeah, no matter what, the internet's going to lose its mind about who they cast as Mario. So then I started yeah. jumping is his quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a black screen. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> First I was bored, then I started jumping, and then you just see the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> it's just a fly-through of the environment. <laughs> uh, I have a quick one. Call yeah. of Duty 2021, whether it's from Sledgehammer or whatever, will have a mode inspired by Escape from Tarkov. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that around. a prediction or a wish? Uh, I think both. Most predictions are okay. wishes, right? Yeah, I think it'd be cool yeah. to have, yeah, this mode's all about an item economy. Just something something weird and different that's right there, and I haven't seen another studio try to pick up that momentum that Escape from Tarkov had, even though that was, it feels like a flash in the pan, but I'm sure it still has more players than God. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kyle, did I you got one? Oh yeah, please. 2021, some multiplayer game's gonna come along and it's going to eclipse Fortnite. Some multiplayer game. It's got to happen, right? Someone's <laughs> got to take the crown from Fortnite. That's well, a big crown, man. I mean, Randy Pitchford said that, you know, the Embracer Group acquisition will allow them to make their Fortnite, is how he put it in an interview. I think he's talking metaphorically. It's definitely not going to be Gearbox. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. Just telling you what the man said. Um, uh, I've got one in the in the realm of like I really want this to happen more than I think it actually will, which is like you know good transition. Uh, I think that there will be a major like uh, like faux retro console that reads a bunch of different discs, and I know there are there are probably already some, but uh, I think we've hit that crest of the nostalgia wave where it's like people want to be able to play like GameCube, PS2, PS1 games, and I think somebody will hopefully make a thing that's like this reads all kinds of different discs. That's an interesting idea that I haven't thought about, but yeah, I'm sure something like that does exist. Just putting a bunch of different laser readers into some yeah. M2 machine yeah. or something. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, like, I imagine there, there'll be like a big one that everyone latches onto versus yeah. like the like kind of more obscure, like very high price stuff. I mean, there's like expired trademark patents, which is what allows like Retron to exist. Oh, is that right? right? Like Nintendo know. does not renew the patent for sure. NES cartridges. So the question is like, is that is the disc technology that's in a Series X different than the original Xbox to the point where they would like that patent can expire and they just don't care, you know? Yeah, I wonder if there is like a huge legal hurdle uh, in that in that same way, or if it's just like like if it reads discs, it's like the the tech is like you know as close to public domain as that stuff can be. But it, it could yeah. totally be one thing or the other. I think that's a a cool, interesting idea, though. That's something I'd never considered. I also really yeah. want it bad, so I hope it happens. Yeah, it'd be nice. Um, I have one quick one. Uh, contrary to their legacy from the past eight years, Ubisoft will pull the plug and shut down Hyperscape. They won't give it the old college what? try. They're just going to be like, you know what? Hyperscape, we gave it a run. We're, we're done now. Mm. So by the end of next year, it'll be done. Or maybe it'll be the game that's bigger than Fortnite. Who can say? Kyle, do you oh, have okay. one? Okay, going off that one since yeah. you just mentioned it. They're going to turn it into a brain. Fortnite. 
Uh, skull and bones won't come out this year. Bold, <laughs> bold move. I think uh, actually they had a, a Vidoc recently where they showed off the game's developers. There were a bunch of skull and bones. <laughs> but and you're saying they won't release them? They won't release the remains yeah. of those developers. <laughs> They're cruel. Um, here's a vague one. I don't think it'll be out, but I bet by the end of 2021. Rare's Everwild will be one of our most anticipated games. By the end of the year? Yes. We will be like, I cannot wait for Everwild. That looks so awesome next year. And is is this based on the Greg Miller scale? It is, yeah. <laughs> Where we, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, I just will transcribe the latest episode of the Kind of Funny Podcast and then use that as the metric, I think, yeah. He said he's looking forward to seeing it, so. <laughs> hey, there we go. So here's my, my last big-ish one. Um, so I think Konami will announce a remake of the original Silent Hill. Mm. Um, but the announcement itself will be weirdly underwhelming. Like, it'll just be like a tweet in the middle of the night that says, like, return to Silent Hill in 2022 with, like, a, a gif of, like, the sign with some fog or something like that. That will be the announcement. Okay. And um, so Kojima will not be involved in any way, but the creators of the original Silent Hill, I think they'll, they'll, they'll be involved, like the original director and stuff. All right. another hope. That's another wish prediction, I think. Yeah, my other prediction is that they will reply to that tweet and say, like, here's a picture of our development staff, and it's one guy in a closet with a giant, like, with a in the middle of a dark room with a screen coming out of it, and he's looking at the camera, like, all surprised, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm working he's got on a big that pier- now. He's got, like, a, a, tr- a big traffic cone on his head that he's holding up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he's minimizing the Windows pinball game on his computer real quick. <laughs> uh, here's one. Uh, there will be a teaser for 2K's new Bioshock game from Cloud Chamber, that studio that, that uh, is working on it out there in San Francisco. Because um, I was debating, like, do they start teasing Ken Levine's new game from Ghost Story Games, the narrative Legos that is in, I don't know, development hell or development slumber? Who knows what's going on with that thing? But, like, it'd be weird for them to push both at once. So I think they'll have a teaser that will reveal, like, the location of the next Bioshock. Because I think that's mm. that's the big thing that everybody wants to know. And I think the game industry is just going to get used to, you know, it just... Give them this teaser. Tell them that we're working on it. We'll get back to it later. Kind of like an Elder Scrolls Six thing, right? Is it just going to be like it just takes place on like a beach, so they can get underwater and above the water? <laughs> it's just like in the middle, smart of That's the sky smart. and the ocean. Kyle, I don't know if you checked for job openings, but they actually have a job opening for ideas person over at Cloud Chamber. Oh, so you should, that's you should the really title, do. Senior Ideas Person. Uh-huh. Check it out, dude. Five five ideas are a diamond dozen, and we're looking to buy in bulk. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, okay, do you have I one? got one. Yeah, yeah. Mass Effect Legacy trilogy is going to come out. Yeah, and it's going to be like flat eight. Like people Why? are going to be like, because people are going to be like, yeah, this this was good, but time's showing a little in terms of all of the narrative and gameplay and stuff, and it's just not going to live up to the massive amount of hype that they had. People on the Greg Miller scale, uh-huh. people are going to be a little more disappointed than they were expecting. Do you think yeah. it will have the same reaction that 3D All-Stars had? Will it surpass that? Three. What was the reaction of 3D All-Stars? <laughs> people were very underwhelmed, I felt like. Okay, yeah. yeah I think, I think a lot of the reviews are going to be like, the these level. are wonderful games, but like, you know, this collection is, you know, just putting these three games at 4K and like remastering one. And I think people will probably be mixed on the Mass Effect stuff. Oh, the yeah, Mass and I think the, the user review scores are going to be way lower. Okay. They're yeah. going to hate it. And for, very, for a very specific reason. 
Yes, a very specific stupid reason. Okay, the yeah. Miranda thing. Got it. Um, here's a very specific one. Exactly. Uh, Final Fantasy's art director, Nayora, who left Square years ago, uh, will join JP Games, which is Tabata's studio. Uh, the director of 15, he left uh, to found JP Games. They're releasing their first game. It's supposed to come out in 2020. They say now it's coming out in 2021. I'm still very curious about it, but it's the first Paralympics game. Remember that? Remember that weird announcement where it's like, Final Fantasy XV's director is making a Paralympics game, and then it's just been quietly delayed. So I think once that's out the door, then this newer art director will join. But that's a very, that's a very obscure thing. Um, I had this one written down, Kyle. Uh, I had the Psychonauts 2 documentary from two-player productions will be the greatest work of art of all time for 2021. But then... I, I already called the shot where, you know, not too long ago I watched In and of Itself on Hulu and it's like, well, there's no universe where that's not the greatest work of art of all time in 2021. So it's just... Isn't this a bit of a conflict of interest because you have the power to help decide that? <laughs> like, I will bet $1,000 that I will say that and you just fight insistently. <laughs> so, listen, I have $1,000 riding on this. Please well, do this. what I will say. Yeah, why is yeah. he being such a dick? Why is he forcing this? <laughs> yeah, I guess that doesn't really work out. But the important question is, Kyle, have you watched In and of Itself yet on Hulu? No, I haven't yet. What are you doing? Sorry. What did you, what did you do last night? Uh, uh, we watched uh, two X Men movies and exactly I've been playing Little Nightmares too. <laughs> All right, well that's a pretty good segue. But does anybody else have any quick predictions? Yeah, I got one. Off? Yeah, we're gonna see a video game that uses uh, like open AI style conversation bot to Ooh, fill that's in good. Like, dialogue and stuff hmm. or story. We're gonna get the first like procedurally generated narratives starting to come in that use AI in order to do I it. think that's basically going to be Ken Levine's game. It might be the best shot at that. Might be. Might be. Good stuff. I got another one. Yeah. No. Anson, Please. don't stop me. Okay. Uh, Monolith yes. is not going to sue anyone for their stupid patent that they have <laughs> on that nemesis system. Okay. It'll, it'll be safe. Doing the same thing and they're not going to pull the trigger on it. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, the monolith thing. Um, I have a list of, or a segment actually, that I like to call Ready to Pop. These are a bunch of studios that are way past due and we will probably hear an announcement in 2021. You ready? We have Giant Sparrow, the What Remains of Edith Finch team. We still don't know what the mm. hell they're doing. Uh, Subset Games, the Into the Breach team. What still team. remains of Edith Finch mm -hmm. in, the, in the pipeline. <laughs> now with more Finches. We found more Finches! <laughs> Extra Finches in it, plus Fincher's Fury. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quantic Dream, we'll see their new game, whatever the hell that's going to be, the multi-platform thing. Um, Deep Cut, uh, Nomada Studio, the developers behind Grease, Gree, whatever the hell that was, we'll see yeah, their new game. Right. Uh, Bree. Yeah, yep. Bree. Ben Esposito, the developer of Donut County, we'll see their new game. Uh, the new game from the Overcooked Studio, Ghost Town Games, probably Overcooked 3. Ubisoft San Francisco, they have been quiet for so long. I expect something to come out of that finally. Monolith. And that's the South Park Yeah, the studio, South Park right? Studio, yeah. Um, where they hired up a bunch of former Telltale talent. They seem to be building up to like a narrative RPG approach again and then just went silent and those people left, so who the hell knows. Um, Monolith. I mean, that's one of the Ninja biggest Turtles. question marks in the industry, but I guess they're working on Ninja Turtles, so they have their hands full. Mm -hmm. uh, Volition, you mentioned, Kyle. They say they're working on a new Saints Row game, so we'll probably see that this year. Um, mm -hmm. Deep Cut again. Drool, the developers of Thumper. I think we'll see their new game, whatever the hell that's mm -hmm. going to be. These are wild predictions. Um, here's another Deep Cut. Evening Star. 
which is the studio that Christian Whitehead started, the developer of Sonic Mania, the lead of Sonic Mania. And they were able to take the Sonic Mania engine with them. So I could see some new Genesis-inspired, awesome-looking game from them announced this year. That'd be cool. Thank you. And that was ready to pop, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Kyle, a while ago, you mentioned Little Nightmares 2. And that <laughs> reminds me to ask you, how is Little Nightmares 2? Uh, I, I'm really liking it a lot. It's, I'm like two, three hours in or so. I'm, I'm still pretty early. Those games aren't too long. I'm, it's probably about like 10 to 15 or something like that, if even that. Uh, maybe more like eight, but yeah, I I really like it. Like the first game, uh, kind of takes place in this under. It's almost like Bioshock. Like it takes place in this underwater facility, and this game takes place like on land, which is like you know just a setting change. But I I think I like it more just because it feels more open. Like you're walking through woods, you're walking through these like sort of abandoned cities. Uh, I, I really like it. It's I've really been digging it a lot. So the easy like thing is, if you like Playdead's games, you should absolutely check out the Little Nightmare series. Yeah, that, that still absolutely. holds true. I mean, that's yeah, that's how I feel for sure. I mean, there's there's obvious inf- inspiration there, and the, like there's just yeah, there's, there's so many moments that have been like really surprising. Like I, I I won't say specifics or anything, but there are a lot of times where I'm just like really taken aback by what happened or like really it's like well that's not going to happen and it's like oh my god i can't believe that that's what we did to get past this part you know um and it looks fantastic it looks great it's not current gen it's it's ps4 and xbox one i think they're going to have like a dedicated next gen release mm. like later this year or something but like you know i'm playing it on ps5 it looks fantastic uh yeah i'm 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 all in and you know what the weird thing is is my daughter who doesn't usually like creepy stuff yeah is also all in and it's like you can't play this without me i want to see what happens next and we've been like solving puzzles together and oh, getting no. and like shouting at the tv because we're getting scared together it's been super fun and just a bizarre experience i was gonna ask if i could handle this game if i'm scared of scary things but i guess if your daughter's handling it well it's not gory you know yeah. what i mean it's a t-rated game but it's it's a lot of like it's 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 really creepy like honestly like i was not planning on playing it with her but she was watching youtubers play the first one and was asking me about it i was like you can check it out if you want but if it's too scary i'm turning it off but like it's i think there's something that kids are kind of attracted to with the game because you're playing as children it's like you know big big world little person and you're like a child in that world and it's like i said it's not gory like it doesn't get violent like when you die it's usually like a monster will grab you and then it fades to black you know what I mean? And uh, I hope that's how yeah. I go so, in real life. I, I think, I don't know. Honestly, man, I don't know if you could handle it. I find it creepier than like play dead stuff sometimes. Oh, okay. Way. But because uh, it's more like it is the, the name Little Nightmares is perfect because it really feels like a realized nightmare in a lot of ways, you know. Perfect. And it's not great for jumping into. You need to really play through the first one. You even mentioned like the DLC. No. Oh, really? I don't think so. It's like I serial asked me that question uh, early on and like it's very much there's no dialogue. There's no it's all there is there's there's a story that you can track um, a little bit, but it is more just like a lot of walking around being like, what happened here? What is this? And I and there are connections to the first game from the second. I believe the protagonist from the first game is in the second game. I just haven't found her yet. Sure. But like, I mean, I don't. I don't, it's not, it's not one of those things you need to play the first one to play the second one. At least, I, you know, there's obviously benefits, like you'll see things that you recognize and there's like little 
callbacks and stuff like that but it's like the story is all vague and nightmarish anyway there's not really it's all about how you feel rather than yeah. like tracking the specific narrative you know it, it's not necessarily like oh like if well it's, I, like as far as i know it's not like a huge thing where it's like oh this is a callback to like this it, there's not a lot of explicit storytelling it's more like here's one uh, like weirdo locale here's another spooky location here's like a third area right and yeah. like so it's more about like how they like string the together those environments more than like this is going to be a really like gut-wrenching story yeah i mean it's going to be a fun it's fun it's going to be fun after i beat it and talk to you potentially story or jeff cork i've been talking to him a little bit about like here's what i think happened here's what i think the themes are you know that kind of thing yeah like i think the first one is kind of about sins and gluttony and like being obsessed with your self-image and stuff like that but this it's not explicit it's just kind of like the themes i took away from it and i'm seeing some of that here you know what I mean? Yeah. You think you like it more than the first one then just because of the location shift? Is that the takeaway I here? I think so far I do. Yeah. But I don't want, you know, I don't want to be committed to that until I've finished both. But so far I'm, I'm, I'm more engaged by it than I was with the first one. A game that I really loved and was fully engaged by. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I will say I'm like not someone who's like a super big fan of these games. Like I, I'm not like the biggest proponent of like even the, the play that stuff, but uh, like later on, I think it does some like aesthetically really, really cool things. And like, yeah, it, it looks fantastic. Uh, early on, I think a lot of the locations are like, okay, here's like a haunted forest. And then here's like a, like a, a mental hospital, which is like very rote for like horror, for horror games. And that part I was like, okay, but there are some interesting um, kind of design stuff that they do with it where like, I'd, again, without spoiling anything, they, like they give you a tool and then they have you use it pretty cleverly. So uh I'm not like as as into it as college just because it's not like really my type of game. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like it's one of those games where I feel bad when I mess up in that game because it feels like I like it feels like the only thing I'm doing by playing it is kind of messing up this creator's vision of just like, oh, I, I messed up this jump or like here's a chase sequence that I failed like four times and now I'm like the magic of that scene is gone. Uh, I hear what you're saying. That's a very specific feeling, but you can definitely feel that it inside. If it's like, God, this would be so cool if it was just seamless. Yeah. So like, I, and I had, I've had a few moments, like anytime I get stuck in that game, it just feels like, ah, I wish I was smart enough to just like how to, to kind of keep up the momentum that this game has. Right. Right. But you just got to get used to that rhythm, I guess. But Darkfish Days submitted a comment uh, that we'll get to early here. He says, are games like Limbo Inside and Little Nightmares unique enough to be their own subgenre? What would you call it? And then Fred DeNovo replied on that comment on Patreon and said, oh, you mean creepy Mario games? <laughs> is, that, is that the best way to go here what do you call I this genre like, uh, i feel like this this is to like platformers what like the uncharted game is to like shooters where it's just like here's like a very very tightly scripted narrative focused version of the genre because it, it, this feels like like yeah a greedy reboot of mario like everyone says like a greedy <laughs> reboot of mario would basically be like gta or something but it's like this is what it would be like. Here's here's a platformer where everything is really yeah. dark, and the platforming is more grounded in that you mm-hmm. have like fewer verbs and you're doing more puzzle solving. And he would and he would like come to terms with the the fact that he's like crushing Goombas under his feet. Like that would be an ongoing theme of like who am I? What am I doing? What mm-hmm. have these people done to me? I don't understand. <laughs> what have these you know, people just done like a big to me? theme of those games is like why am I attacking these people? Like. I love that. I got it from Shadow of the Colossus too. That uneasy feeling of like, I don't know that I'm doing the right thing here. I know that I'm following this protagonist, but are they the hero? I, yeah. I don't know. You know. Yeah. It is uh, the I, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Little nightmares too, everybody. Check it out. Check it out. It's gonna be one of those that, especially coming out now, I think people forget about. And then, based on the hype right now, I'm sure when it comes to the 
end of the year and people are rounding up their top tens, it's going to be like, oh, that's higher than we all expected. Um, but very cool entry. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> hey, very have cool you touched entry. It at all? No, no, I haven't. I haven't. Um, well, it's... I was asking Jeff. I'm, I don't care about you. Oh, yeah. I'm here too. I, I got it downloaded. I have not okay. started it yet. But, cool. But when I I was watching Leo play it for our for that one old show we used to do, I can't even remember mm. the name of it. Uh-huh. Um, no way but no. the whole time old we were like, "Yeah, plus. this is a Kyle game. If 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 this it needs is. its own subgenre name, it's just Kyle game." <laughs> is what we should call. One hundred percent. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Perfect. But uh, but I like those games too, so I am looking forward to getting into it. Hey, you know what I like? I like asking Surreal how this whole thing operates. Yeah, so you can look for my new like uh, season of uh, podcast where I break down exactly what the mystery of how this whole thing operates. But I will give a quick teaser mm-hmm. is that it's Patreon. There it is, everybody. Patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Thanks, everybody, for their support. You support us at any tier. You can submit a question, comment for the show. You can win a prize from I Am 8-Bit. Uh, you can access the wonderful Discord and a whole lot more. Also, thanks to Will Cornelius, new big supporter here at MinMax. He wants everybody to know that if you own an Android or Tizen OS smartwatch and are looking for a unique watch face with a retro sci-fi or futuristic design, download the Facer app to your smartphone and check out our creator, Cyberpunk. Over 100 original watch faces, including neon and metallic backgrounds, unconventional time and day displays, dynamic battery life and stat tracking, new series of faces based on Dune's great houses. There are free and premium watch faces available at $4.99 a month. So check out the Facer app, and you can download the Cyberpunk watch faces. Isn't that a cool, different type of sponsor for us? That is cool. Yeah, I like it. Kyle, you seem like a watch geek. Um, not, but I got an Apple Watch that I like a lot, but I'm not not a big watch geek, but, you know, I'm always looking for new face plates and stuff. <laughs> well, there we go. Watch geek confirmed. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. It's the MinMax show. It's February, so you know what that means. We're talking, we're talking about Spinch. That's right. I am 8-Bit. They have Spinch on Switch. This is the physical version, the I am 8-Bit edition of the platformer, the psychedelic platforming game Spinch, it's called. So you can get the uh, limited edition I am 8-Bit exclusive edition over there on I am 8-Bit's wonderful store. Uh, The box art is completely fantastic for it. Uh, Spinch was developed by Queen Bee and then published by Akapura Games. And the art on the I Am 8-Bit Exclusive Edition is by Jesse Jacobs, and they also have the vinyl soundtrack to Spinch, the music by Thesis Sahib. Uh, it's die-cut mouth portal jacket and includes one of three limited edition art prints. So check out I Am 8-Bit's online store, the wonderful online store, and check out the physical version of Spinch. Also, you can use the promo code VALENTINES for 10% off everything at I Am 8-Bit store that's under $100. And... Because I'm 8-Bit is so great and they're so supportive of our community, they are going to give a prize away to our favorite question of the week here on the MinMax Show. And that this week is going to be a physical edition of Watam for PlayStation. So the Apple physical edition, I know it's confusing, has a picture of an apple on it, of Watam, <laughs> uh, thanks to I'm 8-Bit. So please check out their store and use the promo code VALENTINES for 10% off. Y'all ready to get to these wonderful community questions? I am. Let's do it. Great. I'm um, not. Yeah, Kyle, I think I'd be more comfortable if you weren't here because some of these are a little personal for you. Sure, I understand. We got a lot of Kyle questions, but we can't really answer them if you're here. Right, right. So we'll just wait for you to clap out. Okay, thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. 
Sarah Podzorski joining us. Hello. Welcome, Sarah. How are you? Good. I, I want to say cold, but I, I know you're much colder than I am right now. Yeah, what's going on? You're in California, right? Are you also yeah. uh, just in a deep freeze over there? What's happening? It's 58 degrees outside, which for California is like pull out your Canadian goose down jacket <laughs> temperatures. Uh-huh. So we're a little uh, we're a little chilly out here, a little gloomy. Yeah, but yeah, it's not that bad compared to Minnesota. But I don't know if you guys have this thing too, but... I always get excited when I wake up and it's like, oh, it's like 13 below. This is going to feel like I want to go outside and have it be like fucked up feeling like I want just that feeling of like, this is not natural. I can't even breathe out here. And I'm always disappointed. Like I go out and it's like 13 below and it's like, eh. You're like, I can still breathe. It just, it feels like five. It's like, there's not that much of a difference really. I would have said if you are a fan of the the world being consistently effed up, I think this has been the past, the past year for you. (laughs) Yeah. I just have to like think instead of feel on my skin and then I can kind of feel the impact of the world, but it's not what I'm looking for. Okay. Um, Sarah, uh, you might remember her from The Deepest Dive on Animal Crossing. She was on an episode of Refreshed with Ana Diaz. Um, let's see. And then you were on a couple episodes of The Minmax Show, and you might remember her from the 8-4 Play podcast back in the day, uh, talking about localization, all that fun stuff. Yes, Sarah? Hello. <laughs> yes, that is me. I have done all of those things. World champion. Um, okay, thank you for being here. We have a bunch mm-hmm. of questions for the community, and we could not ask for anybody better than you. So please, look alive. Here we go. Okay, okay. Jeremy Clark, he says, Hello, friends. Hello. Coming out soon is Super Mario 3D World for Switch and Little Nightmares 2, both of which my wife and I are excited to play together. We just finished getting 100% on Sackboy Big Adventure and an absolute blast. Can you tell us about a game you played co-op with someone where you really cherish the memories? Broad question. Just most cherished co-op memories. What do y'all yeah. think of? I, Dark Souls 2, which is not a, a very standard answer, because I think that, ga- that game had lead the, the most accessible version of co-op, where it's just like, uh, if they're around your soul, whatever, if you have enough souls, like they can just join your party. And I actually ended up playing most of that game co-op with like various people. And it was like, it was a really good time because there would be times where it's like, here's this invader, he's standing on the bridge, you're kind of staring him down. And because he's like, the idea is he has this giant swinging sword that would like knock both of us off the bridge if we approached him. But we're just kind of like sitting, like talking, okay, we can maybe go around this thing. There's like, maybe I can try to use a bow on it. No, yeah, he's dodging pretty well. So like, let's try to figure out a way to like pincer strike him. Uh, So like that game, I think I recommend playing as much co-op in that game as possible. Uh, I'm very stupid when it comes to Dark Souls. I mean, is there like voice chat or how are you communicating with these people? Uh, we we would, I think, play because uh, this was on PC. So I think we either had like Ventrilla or whatever it was at the time. And just we would set up a call and just be voice chatting while we were playing the game. So it ended up being like, yeah, like this is a really cool way to experience Dark Souls. And it made the game feel more new than I think it otherwise would have. Yeah. Uh, does Dark Souls 3 have that same thing? I think they toned it down a little bit because it was definitely like super broken uh, in two, but they made it a little harder. But that that two also had the packs because that was like its big thing. It's like, oh, you can join all these different covenants uh, and like they kind of compete in this one arena or whatever. So it also had like the most robust multiplayer of the series, I think. Um, but then they kind of toned it down in three. Yeah. If I had to guess, Jeff, I would guess this is some sweet uh, memory with your wife. Uh, playing Unravel 2 with my wife there it was, is. was, yeah, a lot of fun. And we also, the that moving out game, which I talked about, I think last year, like that, yeah. that is just so much goofy fun of trying to move like a, a giant cartoon sofa and then like 
heave it through a window and timing your throws with another person um, is a lot of fun. But also, uh, going back even further, I'd say I still have my probably my favorite co-op memories um, with my brother and a friend were Left for Dead still. Like, that was such a high of getting through an entire level and then getting to that finale and just, like, trying to hold out long enough and make that run and being like, no, he's down. You got to go back and get him. And those were such exciting times that I, I don't feel like have really ever been captured again by co-op shooters like that. Yeah. Do you think if you had to guess, would you guess that back for blood, the spiritual successor is going to be in your top five this year? Like, do you think there's any chance of recapturing that fun? You know, I, I watched like the first couple demos that they did and stuff. And it just, it feels like a like another very iterative step of that Left for Dead formula, and I think I was hoping for something a little more experimental, and like yeah. you know going further with the formula than just hey we're recreating the thing that by right you know like we created in the first place, and we should be the ones who are you know being successful because of this. But I I don't know I don't know how high it's going to get for me. Yeah, on that front, like I mentioned it earlier, but I think the Vermintide games are might be what you want out of it. Where it's yeah. like, here's the left death set up, like the it, like the rules are very similar, but there's this whole like fantasy kind of like a, a loot system that basically lets you like I've been playing a lot of it with my friends and stuff, and just getting more loot and stuff and getting higher levels. And there's all this DLC, and I think they're releasing a new one called Dark Tide, which is like their like 40k version and that'll be even closer to left for dead because i that that game has guns in it so i think that might that might end up guns. scratching that itch better than back for blood yeah 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 sarah you stream a lot uh i do at twitch.tv slash sarah pods there it is um do you do co-op stuff do you like just going solo i i, I really enjoy co-op games um I really like playing, you know, like Overwatch with my friends. I played Rainbow Six with them yesterday. I like, you know, we have kind of like a squad going. I've never streamed with them because usually you stream with other, you like co-op stream with other streamers. Yeah. And I don't know any other streamers, um, <laughs> you know, very alone uh-huh. um, out in this world. But I still think my favorite co-op memory was back in elementary school where I met my first friend who was a girl who also liked video games. First time, and we met in elementary school, and it was with the Game Boy Advance link cable. Yeah. Yeah, it was, the, it was that's how old it was. And we, I would go over to her house, I'd bring my little Game Boy, um, go over to her house with the link cable, it had like four different prongs coming off of it, and we would play Crystal Chronicles together. Oh, wow. Like all night, just me and her, and we also played like Four Swords, but that t- I haven't quite ever reached that same feeling of like, going over to a friend's house for the first time, like playing video games with somebody who's, you know, into the same things I am. Yeah. But we were like good friends for a long time. With Crystal Chronicles, didn't somebody have to hold a freaking bucket the entire yeah, time? Yeah, <laughs> so one of us would have, since there was only two of us, um, one of us would have to hold the chalice and then the other one would have to kind of run around and never finished it, never finished the game, really hard, still haven't finished it. But yeah, good memories. Not not a great game, but great memories. Yeah, don't check out the remaster that came out last year. Apparently no. it's trash. No. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Sweat. You'd never believe it. He wrote in and he says, Hey everybody. So I was watching this terrible kids show with my two-year-old on Netflix called Masha and the Bear. And at one point, the bear started playing Moonlight Sonata 
by Beethoven on piano. And it got me thinking, is there anyone who doesn't like this song? It's so darn pleasing every time I happen to hear it. So my question is, are there any songs that are universally liked by everyone? And if so, what could they possibly be? This is hard. This is hard. I have a, I have a modern day one. Okay. Uh, it's the, it's the, the, the flavor of the hour, I guess I would call it. But it is the Fortnite American Girl remix with Chug Jug with you. American <laughs> Boy. And it's all over TikTok and I'll never oh, no. hate it, ever. Okay. I don't care that a 12-year-old singing it. All right, if I was looking for this thing, what would I call it? Uh, Chug Chug? Do, I still have... Is, for- this, is this the right link? Yeah, it is. There it is. Wait, is it Farewell Chug Jug Fortnite parody? No, it's Chug Jug with you. Chug Jug... To the tune of American Boy. And you just found it from TikTok? Oh, God. Yep. It says gameplay crap in it. The original one got muted. Oh. We got a number one victory royale. Yeah, Fortnite, we bout to get down. Get down. Ten kills on the board right now. Just wiped out Tomato Town. My friend just gone down. Oh. I revived him. Now we're heading southbound. Now we're in the pleasant park streets. Look at the map. Go to the mark sheet. Take me to your Xbox to play Fortnite today. <laughs> I will say I like the original better, but like it's not it's not a bad rework. I think there's something to this. We can be pro Fortnite gamers. <laughs> okay, that first time. <laughs> Hang on. Where is it? Okay, good God, I couldn't find it on my computer. What if you played throughout the rest of the show? That's <laughs> that is good. Like, because I'm trying to I think. I don't even play Fortnite, and I want to listen to it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm trying to think of like those songs that if the entire world could be in a car on a road trip and it comes on the radio, who would not request to turn mm-hmm. it off? And something is like, oh, the Metal Gear theme is awesome, but like people have to learn it. Whereas that song is immediately likable on six weird levels. That's good. That's good. Um, Jeffum, do you have any in mind? The most universally beloved song of all time? Uh, I don't know. I mean, do people go music? Is do they what? Is that like? Do they hate classical music? Is there anyone who who just like? I think I'm oh, with you. Oh, that Beethoven! What an overrated sob. I really think classical is the way to go, and this is this is what I would go for for like a song that. Everybody likes probably to the same extent. Maybe Beethoven loved it more or some classical geek liked it more. But who's going to turn this down? Like, it's fun. You got that little dee 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 Then you can hold that and wait for the drop to come in. It's got everything you need from a hit song. Yeah, it's a hit. Throw it on the chart. Put a Drake feature on it. Let's get it ready. <laughs> of course, Fur Elise, it's called. For Elise. Or- or what about like a like a queen song? You know? Like we will rock you. That's like that that always gets everyone stomping, right? In arenas and whatnot. I look, I like Queen. I consider We Will Rock You kind of like the dumb end of the Queen spectrum. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously I like the song, but Fine, Bohemian Rhapsody. Is that just the boring These are songs but correct you dance answer? to at weddings? Yeah. Is it, these are all like wedding, yeah. wedding pleasers. Where it's like it's not like I will I like vehemently like like 
tell people to turn it off, but it's just like, okay, this is just going to bleed into the background for me. It's not going to like, even I, I like, um, precisely. I like queen. <laughs> I actually have a, I actually have a friend who just, uh, really adamantly hates queen. What? Uh, but like, I, I feel like at, like, even with a lot of classical music, it's just like, I'm not going to, you know, complain about it, but it's not the stuff that I would prefer to listen to is sort of, but maybe that's that's the whole point of a universally appealing song is that most people are going to not turn it off, right? But if you were you were on a road trip, you're driving back up to Minnesota and you're flipping through the radio stations and you heard Beethoven, would you keep flipping? I don't I guess it depends because like I I wouldn't listen to the radio to begin with. Okay. But, All right, buddy. All right. Uh like oh, good I, for radio. Oh, I'm a biggie boy in backstage pass. He says Mr. Brightside Something like that. Rich McLaughlin brings up Beatles. Yeah, I don't know. Depends on the era of Beatles. I definitely think that there are early Beatles is is in that bleeding effect. But I think late later Beatles is more eccentric to where I probably like it more, but it's probably less universally appealing. Okay, all right, but like I want to hold your hand. Like who's going to say they don't like that song? Yeah, but it's also no one's. No one is going to request it. Is sort of where I'm at. Like, no one will turn it off if it's on, but no one's going to be like, I need to listen to I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah. Also, that's a very boring wedding song. So I want to hold your hand. What yeah. is this? This is not the right tone. Is the answer to this just no? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Let me. It's uh, Chug Chug with you. We already, <laughs> yeah, we already we found it. Like a bonus round. We were just having fun. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, this is second place we're arguing. Uh, Case Mulder says, I played around two hours in Monster Sanctuary and Game Pass this week, and while I really like the idea of Pokemon meets Metroidvania. The mediocre execution of the platforming, balance of the combat, pixel art, and level design made the game simply not fun for me. So my question is, what game has the best idea but mediocre execution? This is tough. Yeah, I think for me it's always been, for a long time, it's been Gravity Rush because that is a series that I I will say that I love, that I like... That I love, except for the fact that like they they shoehorn but like the most medial and uninteresting objectives into that series, but like they nail the act of floating around that city so well that it it is like I think I gave the the second one like a seven, uh, but that is a that is like a nine point five game trapped in like a, a five game like design because a lot there's so many stealth missions where you're walking around, which is not what that game is good at. Yeah, but like every moment between the actual missions, I think is like riveting. And it's weird too. You'd think that with the second one, they would figure out what is the strength of that IP, but then they just double down on mediocre objectives. Yeah, just like you have to follow this person, and if you get too close, they might see you, or like you have to walk around in stealth missions, and if you're seen, you get like you're you've been spotted, and you have to start over. Like the most frustrating kinds of mission designs, when it's like the the best missions that they have in that are like they just transport you to entire other worlds, and it's like just float around and bounce around and like take take care of these enemies with like some really cool combat that actually leans into like how well you're like moving around the battlefield yeah that's good that's good mine that i was thought of immediately um it's controversial (laughs) i believe the star of this game is half canceled four-fifths canceled i'm not quite sure but what made what jumped into my mind is uh michael jackson the experience the ubisoft like weird just dance spinoff like when they announced that i was like oh my god if this is going to be like the Beatles rock band equivalent for Michael Jackson, but they're going all out for like his dance moves and stuff, this could be so sweet. It was like the most bare ass presentation possible. It's like you jump in there and you move a Wiimote around and just the, the art sucked, the UI sucked. It's terrible. Sarah, is Michael Jackson fully canceled or where is he at these days? Honestly, 
No clue. I I just I just stop paying attention. I just don't talk about it. It's hard to tell. Just don't bring them up. But like, yeah. do you think would they play Michael Jackson music like in a mall, or do you think it's too controversial for that at this point? I just I think we've just moved past it. Yeah, I think, I think we've I'm... just you know it's a little too old now. Yeah, culturally I think, I think everyone's kind of just uh, consigned themselves to like, yeah, I mean, I'll listen to it with the caveat or of whatever of saying like, I don't endorse, you know, a lot of what he's done. But like, I think he, he has just become in, enough of an institution that it's like it's hard to excise him from like the culture entirely. He's still going to slip in in some way. Yeah, I, uh, I went down a weird Michael Jackson rabbit hole, which I don't recommend the other day. And I found this animated uh, TV special called Michael Jackson's Halloween Jeffum, what year do you think that came out? Michael Jackson's Halloween TV special. 1987. Correct. Except for the fact that it came out in 2017. <laughs> and it's like this 3D animated nightmare where it's Michael Jackson teaching kids how to do the thriller dance. It is horrific. 2017, they released that. Yeah. Wow. It was actually part of the will that, that, that happened. They made me do that when I was young and I took dance classes, the rite of passage was every Halloween, they would teach you against your will, uh, the thriller <sighs> dance, and they would bring all the parents in and you'd be doing like the dun, 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 and all the parents are like, yes, oh, adorable, no. yes. And I'm like, I don't like this song. <laughs> I don't agree with him morally. Forced <laughs> thriller. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, back to Case's question. Other games that were great in theory and then the execution, meh. For for me, it was the medium, the new game. That oh, just came interesting! Out. Yeah, because I really liked the idea that she, you know, she splits into two: the spirit world and reality, mm-hmm. and that's how you go through the game. But whenever something was happening in the spirit world, nothing was happening in reality, and when the the spirit world was kind of sparse, and the only interesting things were in reality. Uh, and it killed my computer because my computer had to load and run two different worlds. <laughs> so it just it dragged my computer to hell. Um, but really, really great idea. I just wish they had done more to bring the two worlds together. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Like some sort of like danger or ticking clock where it's like you got to shift back and forth to see if the monster is getting close to you or something. Is that the easy solution? Yeah, I mean, they they wouldn't necessarily have to do something like that one encounter in Timefall 2 where you're in yes. the two rooms and you're constantly shifting between the two. But yeah, like that, the, I never got the sense that like, oh, this is so crucial to how this game is designed is the fact that it takes place in two worlds. And like even the cutscenes, like they they, they, they kind of split the, the screen for all the cutscenes and stuff. But, you know, they emphasize one over the other and you're never really pushed to like, okay, if you watch it from this from the top side or whatever, like she does this thing and on the bottom, it has a totally different meaning. Like they never really do anything clever with that perspective, I think. Yeah. yeah. But it's a good idea. Right, right. That's a good one. Jeff, do you have any in mind? Uh, Alpha Protocol. All right. Yeah, the Spy RPG. Yeah. That I really wanted to be as cool as like a a Mass Effect, but in in a spy world with gadgets and stuff. But it was just kind of. Yeah. I think we're we're probably about due for that type of announcement from Obsidian. Obviously, they're busy with too many things now. But if in the future they ever said like, "Hey, we're making a spiritual successor to Alpha Protocol," I think it would get that groundswell of love on the internet, and everybody would come out and be like, "I love Alpha Protocol. I've been defending it for twenty years now." You know. <laughs> Uh, Ricky Winterborn writes in, he says, 
Ben and Tim Longo, who is the developer, we had an interview uh, go up Monday. He was the creative director for Halo Infinite and the Tomb Raider reboot. And actually, speaking of Silent Hill stuff uh, with the medium, um, he talks about how the original version of the Tomb Raider reboot was Silent Hill meets Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> was the pitch. So if you want details on that, you can check out that interview. Anyways, uh, he says, Ben and Tim Longo pointed out that almost every game now seems like one to three other games as inspiration fused together. Can anyone, or can every, can everyone name their dream game that combines three currently released games? Ricky says, my dream game is, of course, Advanced Wars plus Metal Slug plus Worms. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? It's right there. It's Ricky's game. Support it. Okay. Uh, does anybody have an answer? This is a thinker. Mine would be um, Stardew Valley. Yep. Plus Minecraft. Plus Animal Crossing. Okay. Just which what? I think I think would be workable. It seems feasible. Yeah. Just extreme customization. Is that the Minecraft angle, or what's that ingredient there? A little there? bit. A little more like voxel style a little more control over how things look a little more control over where things go yeah have you I played just, I need control i, I need get complete it. and total control yeah speaking of little woods coming out later on switch did you play little woods? That, that is complete and total control isn't it it is like it is not to the level of individual voxels and stuff if you really want to customize the hell out of your town i guess that's a game for you that's good that's good i think yeah stardew valley plus anything is probably a good way to go there does anybody else have one for this thinker? I got one. Please. No Man's Sky mm-hmm. plus Halo plus Mass Effect. With the Halo being the actual gameplay combat uh-huh. and the Mass Effect being the go out and meet people and bring them into your crew and have interesting choices. But then the the No Man's Sky universe. Like Is, I, I and- want a giant, ridiculous... Full of different worlds, universe to explore. And this is probably going back to your AI VO concept where it's just going to be weird procedurally generated companions well, that's out just there. Unrealistic. Oh, I understand. Yes. Please bring it back. Everything else <laughs> about that pitch is bulletproof. You but. got yeah. it. Uh, Dylan yeah, Drazen. But, but, but so many times I was, when I was playing No Man's Sky, which I do still really like, mm-hmm. you know, like the only thing you have are those floating robots and they're just not fun to shoot at all. And it's like, just put Halo controls in this and, and Halo enemies. And I will happily shoot them even if the landscape isn't that interesting. You can still just pop up a you know a facility here that I have to go into and you know just have normal normal combat. But Dear Sean Murray, put in normal Halo combat into your game, please. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sign no Jeff. Sprinting. Uh, <laughs> no sprinting. <laughs> Excuse me. Dylan writes in. He says, hey there, Hanson and the Handsome Three. Oh, congratulations, y'all. Over the last couple months, I've been submerged in the world of Twin Peaks after hearing it noted as one of, if not the most influential television shows of all time. The creator has remained famously tight-lipped on its intended meaning, which has sparked conversation and theory for almost 30 years. My question is this. What is one piece or series of media or multimedia that you're either intending on partaking in at some point or are maybe too intimidated to jump into? Thanks, y'all. Any anime that requires a guide to watch the episodes? No. Yeah. No, what uh, what, what would the guide say? How would it try and steer you? So usually it's for anime like Bleach or One Piece that have over 200 episodes. 
And it basically tells you, like, this is a filler, this is a filler. Watch these five for plot. Watch these five for this arc. If you're interested in this arc, you can watch oh. these 20 in this order. Yeah. I draw the line at, at guides yeah. to watch anime. Surreal, are you, you're watching One Piece now. Are you going with the guide or are you going with your gut, no, dude? No, it's, it's on in the background while I do other things. So it's like, I, I will watch whatever Netflix has. And then <laughs> I'll see about, you know, they have like 140 episodes or whatever and I will see if they have any more somewhere else, but I'm not going to like, if it's filler, I'm not going to notice much, I guess. Uh, but I think my really intimidating one is the Sopranos. Ooh, um, that's good. Just, it's not even that like intimidating in terms of content. Cause I think it's like what, six, seven seasons or something yeah. like not a ton, but I think the idea of like being burdened with an opinion on the Sopranos feels like a lot of just like, if I don't like this, everyone's going to hate me. If I really like it, no one's going to care. So it's like, it's a lose lose situation uh, of like watching the Sopranos and having an opinion on it just does not seem worth it. But at some point I probably will end up watching it because I've heard a lot of good things. It not it kind of look, this is our modern era, but there's something gross about the video of like, all right, I'm going to watch all the Sopranos. And then it's all going to boil down to one tweet. What is my final tweet, ultimate take on this beloved show? It just feels gross. Yeah. So, and like, yeah, totally. That's not like a, a, a good reason to avoid watching it. But it's like in terms of I have all these choices to, at, at my disposal, like that is just one kind of thing against it. That yeah. means I just end up not watching it. I hear you. Uh, Benjamin writes in and he says, hey, all. Because of the date, what's the most romantic moment from a video game you can think of? Romance in video games. <laughs> oh boy. This, it's one of those questions that the more you think about it, the more it's like, ah, romance is tough. We're not talking stupid sex scene in cyberpunk. We're looking at real romance here. Does anybody have anything? Okay, I'm just going to expose myself here. Yeah, please. Um, I have played... Otome games. What and is if that? you don't know what Otome games are, they are visual novels for girls where it's basically like a dating simulator, but more kind of like a novel where there's like five different anime guys. Cause like, who am I, you know, to keep myself from hot anime guys, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But basically, I played my first one recently. I was like, well, you know, we're in quarantine, <laughs> you know, a little lonely. Desperate times. But I played my first one. Um, and I just kind of went through it normally, you know, they're pretty, um, I want to say they're pretty messed up. The one I played was about samurai and you actually learn Japanese history. It is accurate, but about samurai, uh, Sengoku period, people are dying. People are dying in the war. People are losing their arms. Um, and it's, it's basically a novel. And then you're given a question, like every hour of playing, you get a question to answer and it could be something stupid like what color hair ribbon do you want to wear today (sighs) and depending on what you say you could either maybe maybe you die you know maybe you maybe they don't like red ribbons or or you you end up with a guy so basically i played through pretty normally you know i wanted to learn everybody's story everybody's background and then i got to the end of the game uh and usually that's when you get your guy and this guy came up to me uh, and he took me to a deserted island with a village on it. Ooh. And he was like, you know what? Uh, I just don't know, like, you know, what you're in it for. I don't know what you're really doing here. Like, I feel like maybe you like me, but like, I think you need to work through some personal stuff. So I'm going to leave you on this deserted island. 
Um, I'll come back in like two months. Let me know how you feel. And that was the end of the game. <laughs> because I didn't know when you play these Otome games, you have to use a guide and you have to answer the question. You have to go for one guy. You can't play the field. Unacceptable. Yep. Uh, you have to use a guide and you have to correct. You have to do all the correct answers for one for your one guy to get a good ending. And if you don't, you just get you're on a deserted island. Good luck. And that's just the end of the it's game. Like he knows and that's the end of the game. He knows five hours of my life. And he's not coming back. This is all part of his ruse. He's so not like, coming back. He's just abandoning you on an island. Yes. yes and he's I, like, think about what you've done. Jesus Christ. That red ribbon. <laughs> I don't know sucked. how I feel about you. So I've decided to exile you. Is exactly. Which you're not the move that I would make, but. <laughs> Ooh, classy gentleman. Dude. <laughs> so not necessarily in. It's like intended to be romantic, but yeah. I was just like, so uh, you're not gonna, I guess, I mean, is this ghosting? You're just not gonna come back? <laughs> that face went exiled. <laughs> I'm thinking like, yeah, maybe just the beach connection, but I suddenly had that image in my mind of like, is it romantic at Link's Awakening when you have that little beach date and Link and, uh, why am I forgetting her name? I want to say Maru, but it's not Maru. Marin, isn't it? Marin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just like sit on that log and look at the sunset. Does that count as romance? It's romantic. It's romantic. Okay, romantic-ish. Um, Final Fantasy X, the old classic water scene. Not romantic? When I was younger, I thought it was romantic. Okay. And but then- now I'm older and I'm like, we really should be talking about like some shit's going down. Do we have time for this? <laughs> I don't even remember. What is the context? Is that like the end of the game and they just... What is it? Oh, is that after Yuna does her summon and they're in the water? I don't even remember. I think... Is that when Titus realizes Yuna has to die? Could be. And he's like, no, we're going to stop it, right? Yeah. He's like, like Yuna was fully ready to die to save the world. And then Titus is like, you know, I kind of like you now. I think you shouldn't do that. We can be romantic. My feelings. Yeah. That one, that was something back in the day, at least. I don't know how well it's aged. It, was, but. it did qualify as something. Okay. What about Uncharted 4? Uh, like that date in the house where they play Crash and sit on the couch together and stuff? That's the one I was going to say of just like kind of low-key. These characters already know each other. You know, there's there's a level, there's a mature intimacy there that's not about, you know show and cleavage or anything like that it's just kind of a familiarity and a and a love that they have for each other but is it romantic is it romantic jeff i'm asking about your personal life is it romantic to have those just zero days where you're just sitting around watching netflix together and then going to sleep early does that count as romance those are the best (laughs) okay love the other person what's better than that so anytime you're in a room with somebody you love that's romantic well, I mean, you you have to be paying attention to them. Okay. I, I remember that scene is them still, you know, spending time together and enjoying one another's company. Yeah, they dialogue prompt each other. I think that's the ultimate form of flattery and paying attention. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dylan Greenfield writes in, he says, It is time. We need to settle this once and for all. We need to have the definitive discussion on what the difference between what a remake is, what a remaster is, what a reimagining is, and what a straight port is. I'm sick and tired of finding people confused about the difference on Twitter and social media. Okay. I I thought I knew this, but I think it's out the window. Serial, you seem like a meticulous man. How would you define this? Remake versus remaster versus reimagining versus straight port. Uh, I think a, a remake is more conceptual than like straight porting of like, okay, we're going to, we're going to 
remake this game with like new at like new at you're using new assets that's a must for a remake uh and you're changing some fundamental systems Ooh, so changing see i think that's the difference in my mind remake is yeah built from the ground up not taking old code and updating it that's remaster which i mean at that point i guess even like demon souls for ps5 would kind of be a remaster i mean they're building it off of that original game they well i think under my rules it would be a remake because they're like reusing assets right and so that that is a remake i think a remaster is more trying to bring up the new game like the the current game into a new platform it's it's i think the line between like straight port and remaster is pretty blurry so like that shadow of the colossus ps3 game i think that's a remaster yeah i think the ps4 version that's a remake because there's new assets because there's yeah because you're using new assets and i know that like this is a really like a like a nitpicky thing but i think when you change the at when you change the assets you change like the quote-unquote aura of the game or whatever and so i think that like that doesn't invalidate the new one but it does it like the feel is slightly different even if it's mostly similar because i think even like the crash stuff is like oh this looks like what that game would look like but the ps1 like graphics had like a certain look to them that the new assets don't 100 percent replicate yeah i remember with that game in particular i think i was talking to that team at vicarious visions about the crash remaster and i called it a remake and they're like no we consider it a remaster even though we built it from the ground up so at that point I'm like it's the developers of this thing have a different terminology than i do i don't yeah. know what is anything anymore we just did say like it's not a consistent term at all which is weird but so dylan's just screwed he's just gonna be frustrated forever yeah I, well i mean i think ultimately like remaster is like do you a remaster is like, do you want to make the game more accessible, like the exact game more accessible to people? And I think remake is more like, do you want to update that experience and make it more like approachable, right? So like something like, um, like maybe the closest thing to port would be like the 30th anniversary stuff for like uh, SNK and Street Fighter, where it's just like, we're just doing our best to make sure these games are playable on new hardware. But right. we're not really doing much to the actual games themselves. Yeah. I'd, I'd say for like, for for the Halo collection, like the old graphics on that are port, the new graphics on that are remaster, and there just wasn't a remake in there at all. Okay. Oh my God, I just want to play the games. <laughs> no, no, you got to call it something. That's fair. Uh, Mark Ramirez says prediction time. Which game will be talked about more during the end of the year game of the year talks? Bio Mutant or Resident Evil Village? Resident Evil Village. I think it's absolutely like, Resident Evil Village. Yeah, Biomutant could be like cool. Like I, I, I'm, I don't want to dismiss Biomutant entirely, but like just in terms of like influence, I think or like popularity, I think Resident Evil's has got to be. Yeah, I think Biomutant. I'm looking forward to it, and this won't be a negative thing, but it almost feels like a best case scenario. We're looking at like a 83 on Metacritic. Like, oh, it's kind of a cool little thing, you know? You get to play as a squirrel and have a new arm on you or whatever the hell's going on in that <laughs> game. Yeah, uh, another robot. Very specific question. It says, a recent article published on Science Alert written by Leo Rodriguez and Sean Sean Rodriguez theorized a human could safely fall into an isolated supermassive black hole. The catch is you'd never be able to report your findings. I think this is fascinating news and I'm ready to jump into one. My question is, would you? They say, another. assuming you survive, what do you think you'd experience? <laughs> so this is, okay, well that, I mean, you would you would see the entire universe go by super fast if you look back out, I think is what you would technically see. But I do like this question of, would you jump into it? Like, yes. you would, Sarah? 
Yeah. Like right now? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Play me turn to black hole. I'm going in. <laughs> that is an instantly like that. I mean, quote unquote, easy way to like be part of history of just like Sarah was the first person to ever fall into a supermassive black hole. Like I don't have to have any other kind of legacy, mm-hmm. no matter what I do for the rest of time. That's a, Wiki- that's a Wikipedia person. page. Right exactly. There, right. Inst- like that's a Wikipedia page. Would, I, and so God, I I'm ready to get lambasted by physics geeks, but we would see you like freeze in time and then slowly get stretched out or something. And you'd probably shift to red. There's probably some geeky stuff like that, but it would be cool if you're the first person to do it. And then everybody on earth could look through a telescope at any point and see you still like frozen from our perspective in that black hole. It would be like hole. when you freeze in a Zoom meeting. Like, Don't look at me. Don't look. <laughs> you just, and like, so you're fo- so focused on having like a perfect smile when you're jumping yeah. in because you don't want to do this. Try to do like a selfie while I slowly back in. <laughs> a joke with you is playing the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Hanson, how many black holes are you looking at through telescopes? <laughs> Look, I'm not what? a scientific man. I assume famously it's... visible black holes. Yeah, that, those. Are... Well, oh, okay. I mean, you can see something right before it fell into the black hole, so I guess we wouldn't be able to see anything then, right? But we could, but she would slow down as she got closer to the event horizon or whatever, right? So we'd still see something for a while. But I, I, I like this idea. I like the suicide idea from Sarah too. But I do like the <laughs> idea too of like, you know, if you're 80 and you realize, hey, we got to go at some point and you have that offer. It's pretty close to like, do you want to be sent to Mars just to die there on a one-way trip? But like if you're 80 and it's like you have to take yourself out, would you take that? Of being the first person to jump through I black hole. I already have a plan. My retirement plan is to crawl up on a mountain and die. <laughs> like I'm, I already no have that. This is just a better way to go. Yeah. Also, that's a really <laughs> passive aggressive way to talk, talk to someone. Like if you're, hey, grandpa, uh, don't you like? Would you want to jump into a black hole? I think that'd be really notable. I, I think that would be a really really good way to go you know it's just i'll update like, your wikipedia page i'll make sure people know it was you it's gonna be sweet you want me to go to retirement home i get it all right i'll leave but look i don't want to look we don't need to turn this into a religious debate i know you want to sarah but there what? is something about like you know maybe if there you know if there is some sort of afterlife in whatever form it takes maybe you, you wouldn't get it if you jumped into the black hole so you're kind of i'm fully prepared to cease existing <laughs> like I am, I was, I did not exist before I was born. Right. I, I, that was fine. I was fine with that apparently. Yeah. Well, also you like the idea of you, of you going up to uh, the pearly gates and they're like, look, we didn't have a rule about this before. We didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to make the call right now. Jumping into a supermassive black hole. That's a sin. Sorry. <laughs> Elevator down, buddy. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, I'm obsessed with the idea that as far as I know, no one's died in space, right? Like, we technically don't know if it's possible for a human being to die in space. I feel like a bunch yeah. of pe- like, people have died in space. They've what about the dog the Russians sent up? That's true. I guess, yeah, probably I a lot of people have died, too. Gone at this point. Well, Sarah, dogs don't have souls. I'm talking human oh beings God. in space. I don't, like, on the way to space, yes, but I don't think technically outside of Earth's orbit, or not orbit, but I guess whatever. Yeah, someone is atmosphere. Write in What's our KDA for space? <laughs> Okay. Anyways, Jared writes in. Oh, sorry, I had to go clutch her dog out of fear sorry, for it dying in space. Um, Clutching its soul. 
<laughs> Jared writes yeah. in and says, hey, everybody. I'm curious what you think about the news about Warner Brothers patenting the Nemesis system from Shadow of Mordor. Besides it being a bummer we won't see it in other games, it seems like other developers have spoken out in general about the practice of patenting game mechanics or systems being a crappy thing to do. Jeffem, you had thoughts about this. Jeffem, you had thoughts about this. But don't do it. And like I said in my prediction, I don't think I don't think they're going to follow through with actually suing anyone on it. it. But it's it's such a self-owning move for, you know, creators who want to see innovation and things like that. You know, like I guess the the basic moral argument is hey, don't hamstring other people that have the same aspirations as you do. But it, but they, you know, like instantly flip this switch of like everyone thought the Nemesis system was really cool and that they were cool for coming up with that. And now they've turned all of that goodwill into, well, screw these guys for trying to sue over, you know, for trying to trademark this thing and making it so that other people can't do it. And and I, I really don't understand it because... If they didn't do that and they let a bunch of people do it, I feel like it would make any future game that they do it more popular. Yeah. Because you you can always just say like, okay, we're the ones who created this thing that's in so many other games. And now here's our next take on it, as opposed to we're the only ones that can do this. Like, like if, like if the PUBG guys came out with another battle Royale tomorrow, like that thing is going to be popular and people are going to be interested in what they're doing it as opposed to like trying to block Fortnite from ever coming out and like keeping it to themselves because there I'm sure there are plenty of people who don't know what the Nemesis system is or they think oh yeah it was in that one Lord of the Rings game that I didn't play because I don't care about Lord of the Rings but if it was a more universally you know like thing that was in a lot of games that just kind of makes your popularity and your prestige for having been the ones to come up with it you know, like that much greater. But I feel and like yeah. it's the weird gray area is that it's such a loosey goosey system. It's not like, oh, this is the Nemesis system. Like it'd be pretty easy to do something inspired by it, which I think like XCOM 2, War of the Chosen, I think they kind of had a Nemesis y system in and there. And Assassin's Creed has also done it, which is why I think that they won't that they won't actually end up suing it. But yeah. it, at the same time, like don't put that kind of bad faith and ill will out there to begin with. Yeah. And and the one the one thing that stands out for me is that in the board game space like it is a universally understood and accepted thing that you just can't copyright game design. Like that must have happened at some point. There must have been a lawsuit where it was ruled the other way. And so like there's just no there's no feelings from designers that like hey, I should be able to copyright that. And the board game space is so much more prolific and innovative because of that because Mm -hmm. a game will come out you know like dominion created deck building which is this mechanism and there have been like hundreds of other board games that have come out since then that that you know are very derivative of that but they add new things to it and they kind of and they you know marry it to other you know mechanisms and things like that and that that has not diminished the popularity of dominion at all and it has made that designer seem so much more you know, respected and like such a, such a bigger influence because of that. So it just kind of sucks that you have a company that, that is trying to, trying to take that away from video games. And also, frankly, like 
for Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, they wholesale ripped off that entire combat system from <laughs> Arkham Asylum. So we're like, what the hell are you doing? And there was all that stuff about like them literally using old Assassin's Creed animations for the climbing and stuff too. Remember like the animator called them out on that? Yeah, it it just sucks. It's it, it's such a bad look, you know? Yeah. Especially, yeah, I hope you're ready to punch through a wall when they announce their next game and it has nothing to do with the Nemesis system. Like they patent yeah. it and then they don't yeah. even use it anymore. I think best case scenario that that patent is so specific that it's never brought up. And yeah. worst case scenario is that it ends up being so broad that, you know, there is a lawsuit about it. And then it, people actually look at it and like, no, that's immediately overturned. You can't really do that because the idea of patenting game design just ends up being a, a terrible rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm as somebody who's worked at a large company and knows how the legal department operates, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't just the legal team not understanding or not caring because they're probably thinking like, okay, it's going to take us like, you know, a few years to come out with this game that, you know, utilizes this feature. We should get this on lock before someone beats us to it. And I like, you can't, you can't argue against a legal team in a big company like that. Even if they don't know video games, even if they don't understand you have very little ground to stand on because, you know, it's Warner Brothers, so they probably have legal for everything, but maybe not exactly video games. So they're probably just looking at this like, you, we should really protect this somehow. This is important. And the games team could be like, this is a bad idea, but what am I? I, I don't get paid enough, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably just a little bit of both. Yeah, for sure. God, I was... um doing a lot of research recently on the history of PopCap for an upcoming project. Please look forward to it. Um, but looking at that studio in particular, it is bonkers how much stuff they would just... I It makes it seem bad, but they would just like take from other games. Like Bejeweled, they just found some browser game called Colors Game that was Bejeweled. And they're like, yeah, we'll just take that and make it better. And hey, it worked out. And like Zuma was just... I forget the name of the original game, but also was just fully another game and it's like they just seem very loose in that idea of like yeah we'll take some ideas and you can take our ideas for things like puzzle quest like no harm done it's all just game on for these ideas yeah take that thing and make it better is a big part of how design works and how it's supposed to work yes it shouldn't be take that thing and then lock it down and make everyone else afraid of doing anything remotely like it yeah that just sucks i always think of the classiness just to bring it back to xcom again of jake solomon um, whenever they would announce like a new game that was clearly inspired by the reboot of XCOM and he was all for it. Like he'd tweet about it. Like this looks awesome. More games in the strategy space. Let's go. Like to the point that I remember Double Fine was developing Massive Chalice, which was very inspired by XCOM and Jake Solomon even appeared like in some of their Kickstarter videos just to talk about design with them and stuff. Like it's just an awesome spirit. And I think he comes from that more old school tabletop sense. Anyways, uh, Cree McGee writes in. He says, hello, Min Max. I have a game for you. It's called Metacritic Thunderdome. Two developers enter, one developer leaves. In other words, I've averaged the Metacritic score of each game company's best 10 games. And you're going to figure out whose average score is higher. I've included the top-rated game and the game rated as number 10 for a hint if you need it. Okay, so averaging the top 10 games from these companies. Who has a higher Metacritic? Nintendo or Rockstar? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those are the first two that went in my mind as like, oh, they're going to be really high. Uh, so Nintendo's highest rated game, according to Metacritic, is Ocarina of Time. And the lowest, I mean, this is bottom of the heap here. Wind Waker apparently is number 10. But it's just, it's good. It's just number 10. Uh, I'm so mad right now. Don't puke, I'm Sarah. So don't puke. Uh, Rockstar <laughs> is Grand Theft Auto 4. And then the lowest is 
Does anybody have a guess for the lowest thing on Metacritic from Rockstar? Or not the lowest, but Able I guess number minutes. 10. No, number 10 is a better way to frame Chinatown it. Wars? No, close. It's GTA Lost in the Damned, the DLC for four. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Who is it? Who's a higher average? I'll go Nintendo. I also want to go Nintendo. But Moonmaker should be higher. I'm going to go Rockstar. Surreal. You fool! It's Nintendo <laughs> at 96.9 and Rockstar's at 95. Okay, next one is Konami. <laughs> Konami versus Activision. Wow. Tough. Uh, Konami's highest rated game. Does anybody want to take a guess here? I think it's correct. Solid. Metric Solid 1? Yeah. Incorrect. Who? Does this include who Activision owns? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, just... I, th- I think it would be, yeah. But so for so Konami... Does it include... Oh, what's that? Does it include like, like Blizzard and stuff too? Oh, or... that's a good question. Probably not for this. It doesn't look like it because... Although, yeah, I don't know what's in between. But so the number one for Activision is Tony Hawk 2. And then the number 10 is Call of Duty. So maybe there's some Blizzard stuff in between that. I don't know how Blizzard versus Tony Hawk would fare on Metacritic. That's probably pretty close. But for Konami, it's Metal Gear Solid 2, and then the number 10 spot is Aria of Sorrow, Castlevania. Jeffem, which is higher, Activision or Konami? Say Activision. Hey, congratulations! Activision at 94, Konami at 93.7. Thank you, Cree, for your... Beautiful Metacritic Thunderdome. Okay, Chris Logan has a question here, which I haven't stopped thinking about since I read it. He says, Hey, Ben and the cohorts, my friends have been debating something for days now, and I'd love your input. Some movie characters are so iconic, they transcend film and become pop culture icons. We're talking the Terminator, Rocky Balboa, Indiana Jones, Darth Vader. These are characters even your mom knows. The question is, what actor is responsible for the most iconic characters? He has his answer, but I want to see if anybody else guesses it as well. Not that it's correct. It's, I think it's up for debate. Actor. Because immediately you think, well, Harrison Ford. But that's like 2, 2.5 if you include Jack Ryan, you know? His, his Hollywood homicide character, Billy Scott. Jack Ar- uh, Jack from uh, Blade Runner. Ooh. Okay. Okay, so 3.5 for Harrison Ford is what we're looking at? No. Uh. I think the the go-to that I went to is Mark Hamill, honestly, because the Joker still, like, that performance, is, I think, is still cited as, like, oh, yeah, if you don't like any of the modern Jokers, then Mark Hamill is still your Joker, all, like, you know, however many years later, and also he's Luke Skywalker. And Knocker from James Island Bob. That is true. Yeah. Respect a legend. Um, but that's still, that's, that's chump change. I thought of, these are big, but I don't know if it's going to, you know, break the top five, but Zoe Saldana is interesting. She's got... Miss Avatar Lady, we all remember her. Nitiri. Um, Ahura from Star Trek, and then Gamora from Marvel. Like, she's in those huge franchises, and those are iconic enough characters, right? Even though Ahura is kind of, you know, picking up on the classic. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think that stands against Harrison Ford. Okay, well, let's... I, yeah, I, Sylvester Stallone, maybe, because he has both Rocky and Rambo. But like, These are just that, twofers. These are, these are chump change cereal. Uh, yeah. So Chris submits Mike Myers with four. Four. Hang on, let's try and figure out what Chris is doing for four. We got Austin Powers. 
What was that? The Love Guru. <laughs> love Guru, the cat mm-hmm. in the hat. Um, you got your oh, uh, Wayne. Wayne's World. Something like that. Maybe he's including I don't know. Uh Glorious awesome. Bastards. Oh, Are Shrek, of course. Oh, okay. Shrek. What about uh, Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey, I think, is a very good answer, right? Yeah. But, okay, who do you got? List off the iconic Jim Carrey I roles. I don't know. <laughs> okay, you got Ace Ventura. Bruce, Bruce Almighty. The Ace liar Ventura. from Liar Liar. The Liar. Ace Ventura. The Mask from the he's Mask. He's the Grinch. Yes. Yep, yep. Okay. But then again, like, I, he's iconic for Dumb and Dumber, but how many people know that Lloyd Christmas? Is that his name? <laughs> That's his name. Okay. I knew it. I knew it, but it was a little bit of a stretch. So I don't know how important the name is for being iconic. Uh, I, yeah, I guess it's like the metric. I am still kind of using like it, the, the impact of each individual character. But if you're talking about most, it is maybe some someone like Carrie versus like, oh, I guess it, it, like the other issue there is like what defines, what's the metric for iconic, right? Because that, that has to. I think recognizable. Somehow. I like that idea of like, you know, not to put down moms, but our moms would know the name of these characters. Is that a good barrier? Threshold? Mom's that's what? a household name. Yeah, that's... So that's household name. It, but that means iconic, right? Is that the same thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Ray Luaza has a good one here in the Backstage Pass uh, watching us live. He says, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Solid. Solid. You got a couple yeah. there. Uh, people bring up Samuel L. Jackson, which is good. I think it came too, but I couldn't, I couldn't name that many in my head in terms of... Frozone, Fury, uh, Mace Windu. Mace, my mom never stopped talking about Mace Windu. The snakes on hey, a he's, like, he's a recognizable yeah. character. The yeah. image of him, like even though no, people probably yes. don't remember his name, they just see, oh, that time Samuel Jackson had a lightsaber <laughs> and went out a window. Yeah, uh, I, uh, snakes on a playing guy is yep. like iconic in some ironic sense. Doctor Arnold from Jurassic Park. Yeah, uh, everybody talks about him all the time. Uh, uh, the, the guy from Pulp Fiction. I don't remember his name. Um, Lou, Lou. I want to say Lucius, but no, that's Frozone. Oh, what is his name? Um, that's good. I I had it what I thought was a real slam dunk, but the more I think about it, I think I can top it. But Tom Hanks, you got Woody, you got Forrest Gump, then you get into the never this thing of like Mr. Castaway, Mr. Apollo thirteen, <laughs> Captain Phillips, we got that one, Sully, we got mm-hmm. that one, Charlie Wilson from the eponymous war, mm-hmm. um, the, big, uh, the conductor guy, from Mr. the Big Express. Yep. Uh, Turner and Hooch. I think he played Hooch. Like the names drop off pretty quick with Tom Hanks, but the roles are still huge. Ted Danson. You get Sam Malone, Becker, Michael from Good Place, Mr. Mayor. (laughs) You can also make like the argument for someone like, like a really prolific anime voice actor like Steve Bloom. I, I, I got, I know the answer, by the way. I'm just fricking toying with everybody, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, In chat, Ray Luaza, he says Johnny Depp which is surprisingly solid. People would know Edward Scissorhands. People would know Jack Sparrow. People would know Mr. (laughs) (laughs) You were so confident starting that sentence. And then by the end of it, you're just like, Rango? What was that crappy movie that everybody saw? Shoot Her was the big reveal. Secret Window. (laughs) Mr. Secret Window. Um, Oh, the Grindelwald. Um, Okay, what about Mr. Grape? Mr. Grape. From what's eating Gilbert Crane? Yeah. 
Mr. Um, okay, what about this? Robin Williams. Strong, right? We got we got Mork. We got Mrs. Doubtfire. Everybody would get that. Genie. I think people would identify him as a Peter Pan. He's certainly my Peter Pan. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt from Not at the Museum. Does that count? <laughs> Popeye. What's that? Jungle or not Jungle Book. Jumanji guy. Ju- Mr. Jumanji. Um, Garp. You know, Leslie Zevo from Toys. <laughs> Mr. Patch Adams. Okay, but realistically, I, I realized what it was. It, the answer has to be Mel Blanc, right? This guy is the voice of Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Tweety Bird, Daffy Duck, Sylvester, Yosemite Sam, Foghorn Leghorn, Barney Rubble, Woody Woodpecker, Taz, Pepe Le Pew, Marvin the Martian, Elmer Fudd, Mr. Spacely from the Jetsons. I mean, you cannot beat that when it comes to iconic characters. In, ter- in terms of number of characters, yeah, I, I guess it is kind of hard to, to argue If with you're that. 30 years or older. Yes. And yes. Well, you know, once the new Space Jam comes out, a whole new generation is going to go back and appreciate how much worse those voices are than Mel Blanc's voice. So it's something yeah, old I wonder if there is like an anime version of that, of just like someone who's voiced so many, like a Christopher Sabat uh, type character. Because right. he's in One Piece. Uh, so yeah, that, that I wonder if there's just like, no, like this person has a, a much bigger Rolodex of just smaller characters that by the anime community would be defined as iconic. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who that is. Anyways, please submit your answer for the most iconic actor. Um, Sarah's either bored out of her mind or she's. Thinking. I've been listening to the Chug Jug song this whole time. I understand. Yeah, it's a, it's I a just much better play, call. and I just listen to the names come in. Uh, Sarah, what do you like for a question of the week? Do you have a favorite here? Oh, um, for me, it's between the Metacritic one and the Co-op one. Mm, okay. So I'll let someone else tie break. Mmm, Jeffum, because you look cold in your room. Which do you prefer? I like the co-op one. All right. I think that was a nice trip down memory lane for everyone. There it is. Jeremy Clark, congratulations on winning a physical version of Watam for the PlayStation from IM8Bit. Thank you so much for shipping that out, IM8Bit. And now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Okay. Okay. Brace for impact, everybody. These are going to be damn good. Uh, Surreal, do you got a first one for us? Uh, yeah, so this is slightly old, I, but I don't think we've covered it here. Um, Scott uh, Strickard, I hope that I pronounced that right, uh, on January 31st, wrote a tweet that said, I've seen some valid criticism of the lack of any real, quote, Kansai dialect in the Like a Dragon dub. So naturally, here's a very lengthy thread on the topic of accents and dubs and how ours ended up as all over the place as it did. This one's a beast. And he has like, yeah, he has a really long thread that is super detailed about, you know, the specific uh, Japanese accent uh, from the Kansai region and how that has been, how like different studios have taken different liberties in terms of the accent. Like sometimes it's like uh, done in like a Southern accent. Sometimes it's like a Brooklyn, uh, like New York accent and how like none of them really nail that particular, like what it is like to have a Kansai accent. Uh, dialect but everyone acknowledges it like this is a distinct enough dialect that you have to do something with it every time it comes up and in like a dragon it's like ends up being sort of um a a plot point uh so they had to do something with it and so like he just details like well we had to hire these people so like i didn't i didn't want to lock us into other games having to do this exact same accent so we just had to freewheel it a little bit of having different characters have different accents that were still all like kansai um, and it's a really fascinating thread about just like a, a, 
like how all these different things go into just localization and how pragmatic that ends up having to be a lot of the time. So it's a, it's a really good thread. I think people should read it. Yeah. Sarah, are you still interested in localization? localization? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really like reading about like the decisions are made. Kansai Ben is always a hard one to approach because exactly like we don't really have a good English alternative to Kansai Ben. Um, just the way Japanese characters talk, you can tell just by reading, like just by reading, you could tell a lot about a character through the way they speak. Um, whether they're like a gangster type or an upper class type that I just don't think we have in English that just doesn't exist. Um, our language, although we have a lot of words, uh, the way they end words, the way they say words is a lot different. So you can, I mean, when you're reading Japanese, you can tell a lot just by how a character talks. Like a lot can be inferred from that that we just don't have in English. Right. Uh, you're playing Yakuza 0 now, right, on stream? I am. I'm such a Yakuza fan now. I'm I'm both sad that it took me this long, but to, like, pick it up, but I'm fully a convert now. Do you play in Japanese and, like, check the localization as it goes? I mean, um, not exactly. I mean, not exactly. I'm not, like, going over it with, like, a fine-tooth comb. But sometimes, you know, they did such a good job localizing it. I don't feel the need to, like make a comparison right usually because it's not it's not like a one-to-one you know what the character says in japanese and what you're reading in the subtitles because they are taking more liberties to make it kind of like an enjoyable experience so it definitely yeah i have i'm having a lot of fun with it oh that's cool uh did you have a get a load of this yeah um mine is uh i guess well mine kind of has a little bit of a little explanation but sukumo the it's sort of like the circuit city of japan is doing a collab with hatsune miku so you can now buy a hatsune miku pc case pc fans um mouse monitor desk chair laptop she's got it all oh my god uh, she's got the whole set if you're in japan but this just reminded me that when if you go to akihabara in japan there is a sukumo shop that is i believe it's like six stories or something but it only contains pc paraphernalia and pc parts and every floor is a different part oh and you literally start from the bottom you get a little clipboard you go through and you pick each of your parts and then at the top is the pc cases where you kind of round it up so each floor is different you have a little clipboard a little shop person will gather them for you and then you stop the experience and that is like such an amazing pc building experience yeah oh my god the entire building that's a super fun idea Mm -hmm. uh jeff i'm jamming uh, get a load of this. Uh, so, you know, Weezer has come out with a new album called OK Human, which is a play on Radiohead's OK Computer. All right. But uh, the frontman Rivers Cuomo has also released uh, 2,655 demos. He, he's put together this giant what? archive of dozens and dozens of hours of old recordings that he's had over, like, you know, the past three decades. And he's released them all in bundles. Each bundle is like $9 or something. But this was interesting because, um, you know, they came out with the Blue Album first and then they came out with Pinkerton, which was their big follow-up that just like completely flopped. And and the story was always that Rivers Cuomo took that really hard and that, you know, he like painted his bedroom black and he just sat in there for years just making songs that he never released. Yeah. But but apparently he was still prolific that whole time. And this seems to be kind of 
all of that, he's just releasing all of that. And he said he doesn't even know what's on them because he hasn't listened to all of them, but they're from just decades old, all of these recordings that he's done. And the other interesting thing about it is that he created the website for it and like the entire marketplace to sell it because he was taking a program, a programming class. And that was like his final <laughs> project for the class. And he called it Mr. Rivers neighborhood. And he made up, he like programmed the entire marketplace for this and then released all of these dozens and dozens of hours of old b-sides and stuff i love that because so. it seems like something that would just happen like when he died like oh the estate the prince's estate mm-hmm. has found three thousand terrible other songs to release but like i love yeah. that idea of just hey, just do it now just get it out there oh that's yeah. gotta be fun for hardcore weezer fans i guess um hey get a load of this um i was playing this like two-person escape room that's shipped to your house or something called Finder Seekers, and it was all themed around uh, the national parks. And they had one that was like a puzzle about Crater Lake National Park. If you've ever seen it, I think it's in Oregon, right? But it's just like the coolest looking national park there is. Um, And it's the top of a volcano. Everybody knows Crater Lake, right? And then it's just like a lake on top. It's a super deep lake. And then they have an island there as well. Um, But the cool thing is that apparently in that region... Uh, oh, forgive me, I forget the specific Native American tribe, but like there were legends from the Native American tribes about like the time that the mountain exploded. And then scientifically, they trace back how long that was, and it was 7,700 years ago is when Crater Lake actually exploded and, and was formed. But the idea that, in theory, this is being passed down through that many generations, the idea of like, yeah, that like mountain freaking exploded and there's a bunch of fire everywhere. It was crazy. There's something like, oh, that can be carried down that far. Unless, you know, maybe there's some holes in that logic, but it's a nice idea that it actually was being passed down. And you learned that from an escape room game? Yeah. There was like a, a puzzle about each national park, and they had like little factoids about the national park there as well. But it was a good time. Uh, Jeff, do you have one from the community? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this one is from Skate Cats, who's appropriately named for this one. Uh, it was a tweet by Michael Thalen, And the tweet says, a lawyer using Zoom had to let a judge know that he wasn't a cat after inadvertently activating a face filter. And it is a recording of this lawyer. Well, we assume it's a lawyer. He says he's not a cat, but you can't tell. Little eyes are moving around, but he's he's pleading with the judge that he's he's not a cat and that they can start the proceedings because he can't figure out how to turn the filter off. And I wish I wish it was longer. I wish we could see the court case it is, play out. It is a perfect synchronization of the sad look of the cat and like the sadness of an old man not understanding mm-hmm. technology. I've never seen something so poetic in my life. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, those links are in the description below for everybody. Um, that's it. Hey, plugs. Sarah, what would you like to plug more than anything else in the world? Uh, you can follow me on twitch.tv i stream monday wednesday thursdays and saturdays at sarah pods you can also follow me on twitter thank you and it's also sarah pods on twitter <laughs> yes perfect um and it's gonna be yakuza zero for a while or do you change it up every day i think we're getting close to the end although i have been completely sidetracked by the hostess mini games and the pocket circuit racing 
Yeah. I think I think you know if we're gonna combine three games, I would just take the Hostess Club Simulator times three, <laughs> and that that could be a standalone game for me. Smart. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, let's see. For other stuff, we have a new episode of Crossfader Music Podcast coming up on Friday, and I'm excited about this one because Gareth Coker, who's the composer for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, um, and also Immortals and a ton of other games, uh, Ark, I think he's doing. Um, but he is on that episode of Crossfade uh, talking about his favorite album of all time that isn't video game related. So look forward to some good musical analysis in that episode. So Crossfade, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Um, also, I, f- I think we talked about it last week, but uh, MinMax is in Hitman 3 now, which is very cool. Uh, they have featured contracts and it's going live on the 11th. So on Thursday, probably by the time you're listening to this or watching this, if you're playing Hitman 3, you can find the MinMax featured contracts which leo vader and the community have put together um and they say that they're fun so they all have a specific min max related theme so stream them play them let us know what you think about them we'd appreciate it also um letting you know that min facts which is our patreon exclusive podcast which airs every single monday um is no more but it's now called min max council so if you're at the $20 tier, you can jump into the MinMax Council, call in uh, on the last Sunday of every month, and also jump in the chat every single Monday just to talk about the past, the future, all things MinMax, anything else under the sun. We answer any and all questions. Um, so it's a couple other tweaks to show. We have other cohorts calling in more often, but check out MinMax Council on Patreon. It's in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed. Also, last plug is we have a new show airing if I can lock down all the tech, the plan is to air it uh, next week, possibly Monday. Uh, we are debuting a trivia show here at MinMax. We will have more details to come in the very near future, but it is a trivia show where the community competes. So if you would like to compete in this trivia show, you can support us on Patreon at any tier, and it's all going to be taking place in the MinMax Discord. And so it's going to be a trivia show, video game trivia with multiple rounds, and the winner will win um, an Astro A40 headset. And we also have game codes to give away, so there's a lot of fun prizes there. So if you would like to compete in video game trivia, you can support us at any tier and then jump in that Discord, and next week we will have a big old competition, and it should be a very fun time. Looking forward to it. Um, Thank you, by the way, to MinMax's uh, $50 supporters. They get their name in the credits and also they get their name read in every show. I'm talking, of course, about Will Cornelius, I am 8-Bit, Jawar Hello, Mirka Rico Torano, Moonface Nick, Zachary Pliggy, Beaten Down Brian, Seth, Ludwig Roque, Mark Seliga, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, Super Serious Sam, Thomas Hoster, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Spider Dan, Pritham Yor Legata, Clayton Myers, Starkiller, Steve Bamdad, Slick Nick, and Alex Payne. Thank you so much, everybody. Sarah, thank you for being here. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, goodbye, everybody. We'll see ya. Bye.